Podcasting Network, SC Scoops, Stitcher, Podbean, Apple, Spotify. You know the drill. You know all of it. You also know that I am Kyle Ross sitting in the host chair today as we are recording in the afternoon, Thursday, February 16th. Hopefully everyone had a happy Valentine's Day earlier this week. And as you can see, if you're watching the video feed, I have a very special guest on the line today as we have a ton to talk about. Uh, joining me on the program is the man who puts the friendly in friendly skies. A <laughs> longtime friend of the program. Top Rope Nation's answer to Maverick, if you will, minus the uh, Scientology, I believe. Uh, <laughs> and, but uh, raised in the shadow of Sims and Parcells and coming to us by way of the Pro Wrestling Torch, where they have been dutifully covering this industry since. 1987. Your good friend and mine, Mr. Frank Pediani. Frank, how the hell are you, man? Kyle, my friend, thank you for that awesome intro. And uh, yeah, if I try to do any maneuvers like Maverick, uh, there will be many barf bags used because that is just not my bag. The very boring Airbus 320 that goes up, down, left, right is uh, is good enough for me. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, and I know you're in Vegas right now. Hopefully it's uh, not a Denzel Washington flight situation going on. And like, I, I can, I'm sure, no, no, this is a very responsible pilot, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, Frank, we have a lot to cover today. As you know, uh, the notes that we have gone over for this program, we are talking WWE. We are talking AEW. We are going to get a lot in over the next 90 minutes to two hours here in the program. What we will be covering, everybody, Elimination Chamber. That premium live event is, of course, Saturday. Of course, that's not going to be so evergreen if we just focus on Elimination Chamber and our predictions for the show. So we will be making our predictions here with an eye on WrestleMania. So it's going to be elimination predictions tied to a WrestleMania forecast. Uh, we will be also in the world of WWE talking about this absolutely heinous Baron Corbin debate that I'm seeing on social media. I have two cents there. I'm sure Frank does as well. Uh, over in AEW, Dave Meltzer, Frank says that promotion has a babyface problem. We're going to see if they do or not, or, or what we think about AEW as they are a couple weeks away from their next pay-per-view, uh, Revolution, uh, March uh, in San Francisco. So you ready to roll, man? Let's do this, my man. Clear for takeoff. Uh, oh, there we go. <laughs> the whole play thing. All right. On brand, man. On brand. <laughs> yes. All right. Elimination Chamber. Let's not just predict Saturday. Okay. Let's guess where those results may lead for WrestleMania. And we're going to start with what may be the most anticipated WWE match in some time, Mr. Pettiani, Roman Reigns against Sami Zayn. This is clicking big time with a lot of people. I think it's probably WWE's best storyline in ages. You know, how long, you know, just how far back you want to go, I think just depends on how much, you know, you've enjoyed or not enjoyed this promotion over the last decade or so. But I assume you're agreeing with me that Sami's not winning here. So I've got two questions for you. One, should he win? 
Two, how do you go about booking the finish if he's not going to win? Yeah. No, I mean, Sammy shouldn't win. Uh, I mean, they have been building towards uh, Cody uh, going after the titles at WrestleMania for some time. I mean, it was <laughs> it was obvious even when he went down with the injury. I mean, we all at that point said Royal Rumble, win the Rumble, go to WrestleMania. I mean, the story basically wrote itself. And it's gotten to the point where the pin Roman Reigns chip is now a big chip to play. I mean, it's not... You know, this isn't the uh, the world title of the uh, the 2000s, you know, where it just changed hands on a <laughs> regular basis, okay? And then you guys have talked about that on this show. This is a pretty big deal. So if, in fact, they are going to go with Cody, all right, and I, you know, I think that's the, uh, the plan, then he should beat Roman, okay? Now, <laughs> I mean, could they have Sami Zayn win? Sure, it'd be a lot of balls on their part. You know, it would be, it would be a departure, uh, from what we're used to, you know, with the WWE and, and really just situations like that in general. I mean, you look at a match like this, you know, you're like, there's no way. Uh, there's absolutely no way. But, you know, would people want to see a Cody Sammy uh, match at Mania? I, I would. I'd be into it. I'm sure you would. Mm -hmm. But uh, it, it should be uh, Cody and Roman. I think the most logical, okay, if we're assuming that Sammy and Kevin, are going to reunite probably here at Elimination Chamber in Montreal in front of their faithful, right? I think it's intense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, for sure. Jay should probably be the one that interferes and turns because a lot of the story has been built around Sammy getting Jay's approval. I mean, that's really what this has been about. It's been about mm -hmm. Sammy and Jay. So, you know, if Jay is the one that turns, you know, then you very easily set up that tag match between Kevin Owens uh, and Sammy against the Usos. And I'll tell you right now, that could main event night one. I mean, they have built the tag team titles up enough for it to mean something where those two guys could have that moment. So, um, yeah, I mean, that that's really, uh, you know, that's really the way I should go. I, I know you were probably curious about uh, them being in Canada, uh, and I think you suggested mm. that Dave said that they're both clear. Now I'm curious how that's possible because I know Jimmy has had the DUIs as Jay as well, or I don't, I, I, I can't remember. I, so the discrepancy or the confusion was over Jimmy. Now, again, mm -hmm. like you said, Jay is the one who's more tied to the storyline. So yeah. all they really need is Jay, especially right. based off that, the way the rumble ended. And that does seem to be what everyone expects is going to happen. Jay Uso will appear despite the Usos being told to stay home at the end of SmackDown last week by Paul Heyman. And that would set up the tag match. As you said, I think that's very logical. I think it's the way to go again. You know, we talked about this with the rumble, right? Predictable is not necessarily bad. That mm -hmm. was the fact that Cody was the predictable winner of the men's rumble was not my issue with that. I just thought the match was kind of boring. <laughs> uh, the men's rumble in general, uh, this I do not think will be boring, even though everyone I think expects Sammy to lose. There's going mm -hmm. to be a tremendous amount of heat. People want to see him win. It's a story that has been built up over time. So I, I do not expect this to be boring. I expect this to be a tremendous match between Roman yeah. Reigns and Sami Zayn. And I agree with you. What we're going to get at the end, most likely is Kevin Owens coming out to help Sammy uh, when he's being beat down after the match? And 
I think this benefits Cody too, because Roman is going to be looked at as a scumbag, you know, for beating Sammy mm-hmm. and, and whatever else, you know, whatever other elements uh, get introduced to that, whether that's Jey Uso or not. So there will be heat and, you know, Cody, you know, I, 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 you know, I don't see the crowd turning on him. I know that's a concern and maybe that's something we can talk about later, but you know, with that heat, that's going to work in Cody's favor as he heads towards the match, uh, you know, at WrestleMania. So, um, you know, I think the timing of that, you know, works out for him. And I, I know this is a little a uh, bit different than what we're talking about, but I give WWE credit for kind of reading the room. I think they have a Cody Sammy issue. So having Sammy come out and Cody come out on Monday night, kind of head that off at the pass, you know, it that was, was brilliant. Of, yes. That, that it was, was very kind of a way to take the, the temperature of the crowd. Like, okay, let's, let's get ahead of this. Let's not have a, uh, a 2014 or let's not have a, a three-year issue like we had with Roman Reigns or, mm-hmm. or stuff like that. They, they got ahead of it. And I think, you know, I think everybody's pretty much in a good place. And if you go, you know, like you said, the predictable route, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, if people are looking for something to happen and you give it to them, they will cheer it because they're like, yes. okay, this makes sense. This is what we wanted. Thank you, WWE. Yay. And everybody cheers. Works. Exactly. Well, yeah, even when, if it's the heel winning, I just think that people are accepting. Yeah, this is very interesting. You know, let's bring Cody into this discussion now because obviously he's got the Mania title shot. He's presumably going to work. Well, he is going to work, uh, you know, Reigns, assuming Reigns comes out Saturday still as the champion. Um, j- just to clarify something also, too, you, you had mentioned uh, something Dave Meltzer said on Wrestling Observer Radio that he believes both Usos have been cleared to cross the border to Canada. I don't know if that's the case, but we, we'll see moving forward if they're both there. Then I, then I guess Dave got good info. If not, I don't know. But Cody, um, moving forward, coming off the rumble and the reception that Sammy got, there was a lot of discourse online about, you know, would Cody get a backlash mm. Be- because people want to see Sammy now. And I said that that sort of rebellious element of the WWE audience is kind of left. You, you know, like the, it just doesn't exist. The people, I, I think those people who would go to the shows and want something different. I don't think they're in the building anymore. I, I think a lot of them, have just migrated to AEW and they go to those shows and they're like, I've been saying this for a year now. Now there's a lot of dead WWE crowds, particularly during the matches, Mm -hmm. but you just, you rarely have that rebellious element in the building. The people in the building generally are either quiet or accepting of what they're seeing. They're not shitting on it. And Mm -hmm. so they played this well, Frank, you mentioned the promo on Raw, which I thought was absolutely excellent between Cody and Sammy. They were very smart to have Cody endorse Sammy, saying, mm-hmm. you know, he would love to face Sammy. That's so much better than Cody's like, oh, no, I want Roman Reigns. I want to be the one to beat Roman Reigns. Then you could perhaps have a backlash. I thought they have played this masterfully so far. They have two baby faces, two over baby faces concurrently going after the biggest star in the company. I can't tell you the last time that they had two concurrent baby faces who were both over. I mean, my God, would you have to go back to the initial run of Dave Batista and John Cena in 2005? Yeah. And this isn't an either or, Frank, I think, with mm-hmm. Cody and Sammy. At the end of the day, you mentioned Usos versus Owens and Zayn could main event night one, 
and then Cody Roman, uh, presumably you know, on night two. You want coming off Mania both Cody and Sammy to be really over. You don't want to just pick one of the. It's not an either or. Right. You can believe it or not, folks. There used to be a time when multiple baby faces would be over at the same time mm-hmm. in this promotion, and I think they're better positioned to do that than you know they have been in a long time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean a lot of a lot of points there. Um, you know, I don't think I don't think I wasn't worried about a rebellion with Sammy because that's really not been the story. The story has been Sammy trying to get into the bloodline, mm-hmm. which is what the fans wanted. So I don't think that I didn't think that they were gonna suddenly on a dime say, okay, now we want you to be the guy to be co- uh to beat you know Roman at WrestleMania. I didn't think that that was the case. So, you know, like we talked about, I think WWE, you know, they headed that off. They had the two of them meet Monday. And I think that took care of that. So, um, you know, and, and they're not there with Cody. I mean, the fans are happy with Cody. They're, they're fine. He gets good reactions. I was in the building uh, for SmackDown last year. They did a dark match and the reaction was fine. So uh, I'm not too worried about Cody. Maybe down the line, it's something to think about because the fans did turn on him in AEW. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, they get uh, sick of yeah, and that's a whole different conversation. Like yeah. post mania, you know, I, yeah. I do think there, there's some questions. You know, even if you have two, even if Cody and Sammy are both over coming on, mm-hmm. I mean, if Roman goes on any kind of extended break, there is a gaping hole in these television programs. I know he's not there every week already, but if he's not there for weeks on end, the heel side is weak. I, I don't think you can just, you know, shoot Gunther up into that top heel role and expect the WWE audience to be, you know, doing cartwheels. You know, you mentioned Cody. Okay. So I do want to bring Cody in here. Okay. Mm -hmm. First of all, you know, I think the injury to Cody was the best thing that could have happened to this promotion Mm -hmm. because it basically, because when he beat Rollins in hell in a cell, people were ready for Cody to be the next guy for Roman. But then he had to take the time off. And I know that a lot of WWE TV is pretty dire if you consume all of it in a way, if you consume like those first, those full five hours per week. I don't know why anyone would do that, especially live. Okay. I mean, more power to you if you do. You are, baby. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, Cody, his injury, and everyone saw what the timetable was. It's like, oh my goodness, it's going to line up perfectly for WrestleMania. And here we are. And then what it, they did is this Sammy thing kind of happened in the middle. And voila, here we are, uh, where you've got two over baby faces at Mania yeah. season. Um, do you, Cody shouldn't get involved Saturday night at Elimination Chamber. I, I would leave him completely because because you do risk, I think, a backlash him coming out in Montreal when it's Sam, quote unquote Sammy's time, right? He could he could he could bigfoot the situation. He could screw everything up, and it doesn't it doesn't even make logistical sense. You know, it doesn't mm-hmm. even make sense. Like you know. All right, maybe you could make the argument that he wants to face Sammy. So, you know, does he try to get involved and cost Roman? But then, you know, I mean, that's making Cody a heel. I mean, it just it just doesn't it doesn't logically add up for me. I I would leave him out of it, you know, let him do his thing. And I mean, Cody, Cody should want Sammy. If he wants him as an opponent at WrestleMania, he should want Sammy to win clean. Mm-hmm. You know? He shouldn't want Sammy to cheat. Or, or have any kind of well, advantage. Well, so. I was, yeah, I, I guess I was more referring to like the post match beatdown, but I think you and I are in agreement that that role should clearly be res- reserved for Owens. People want to see Owens in that spot. I was just going to say, 
you 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 take away that moment if if Cody gets involved and you take away the moment. It's Montreal. Let Sammy and Kevin have their moment. Let Montreal have their moment. You know, I mean, they, they, they've been screwed enough. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ryan and I uh, just revisited that uh, a few months ago. So uh, let them have an and they'll and they'll be fine if the, if the two of them reunite, they'll be fine. They'll eat that up. Uh, you know, so uh, yeah, that 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 that'll work. And uh, yeah, Lee, just let Cody stay out of it. Don't don't get involved. Yeah, you mentioned the show being in Montreal. Do you remember the last time the WWE did a pay-per-view in Montreal? Oh, for God's sakes, you're putting me on the spot. Um, was it all right? Was it within the last 10 years? No. Was it within the last 20 years? Yes. Oh, for goodness sake. Um it is a very forgettable show, but there's something that I will always remember from it. Uh uh late 2000s. Yes. Let late yeah, let late aughts, if you will. Late aughts. I feel like it's, it's a wasteland a, for many people. Not a survive like like a no mercy or something like something like breaking that. Point. Breaking point. Breaking breaking Yes. Oh the all the all sub which was like an all submission pay-per-view, I think, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, was that like two thousand and nine? Yes. And yeah, and it was because I you know what? I, I remember that now because I uh Tyler Sage and I from the torch, we looked back at Hell in a Cell from 09 because it was the first, you know, the first one. And Breaking Point fed that pay-per-view. I think something happened with Cena and Orton. And, uh, and yeah, it was and it was well the thing that I remember, it was CM Punk and The Undertaker, and they redid the screw job with Brad Maddox. But when I think about that period, so I I was a, a big fan of CM Punk's already, going back to his time in Ring of Honor. Uh, yeah. Just a quick sidebar. And I remember reading it at the time, Punk had just won the title back at SummerSlam from Jeff Hardy. That was an excellent feud. Yeah. And Punk was like really salty about jobbing to The Undertaker and was making it known. And it was like really pissing off WWE officials. Like, how dare this man? Like, well, not want to. And I was like, dude, I fucking love this CM Punk. <laughs> I, I was like, I just love how this guy just comes. He's like, I want a job to the Undertaker. I just won the title. Love Puck. We miss him. Please come back. See a Puck. AEW needs yeah. you. Um, more on that in a moment. But, you know, there's something I want to talk about this Cody and Sammy dynamic. I, I want to go back to it again, Frank. Yeah. I think this match happening, the, the match between Sammy and Roman Saturday, happening so soon after the Rumble is huge for Cody because yeah. it. If it was further, if there was a couple more weeks, I think then you would see the fan base perhaps want more and more Sammy to be the champion. And, mm. and I, I think because it's such a quick turnaround between the events, okay, you had to go right to it. And people, everyone, like we've been saying, everyone sort of resigned the fact Sammy's not going to win. And I don't think you're going to get quite as much build as if this event was maybe the first weekend of March. Yeah. Or even a week later. I think that is huge for Cody. And by the way, kudos to WWE. They haven't even put Cody and Roman in a ring yet. And like, I would hold off on that as long as possible. But when we talk about Cody not running down Saturday night, absolutely not. I would hold off them being in the, even doing a promo in the ring together for yep. a couple weeks. If you could string that along again, I don't know what the rest of the three hours is going to be on Raw. But uh, I don't care because I won't watch it live. But, you know, when that segment finally happens, it'll be great the longer yeah. they wait. Do you think it should – do you think they should hold off until like a week before WrestleMania or, or two weeks or something like that? Because it's – you know, with something like this, it, it's – 
WWE tends to blow their load where they have them, you know, face to face like four weeks before, and then they do a pull apart brawl, and then there's a tag match, and then there's some bullshit. You know what I mean? Like this to me is special. Like this to me is very, very, um, you know, dainty, and I think you have to be very careful uh, with how you build it up. I mean. I don't you know. think you can hold on that long because, like I said, man, you've okay. got a lot of hours to fill. You got a lot week. of time. Yeah, yeah, but I, I would hold it off as long as possible. I yeah. absolutely would. Um, so, okay, um, we are in agreement. WrestleMania, the top two matches. I, everyone knows this. I, you know, we, we've been saying it a million times that people don't need to be reminded. It, it, it's going to be Cody and Roman. It's going to be Owens and Zayn against the Usos. I agree. Could be a headliner of night one that tag title match. And I want to take a moment, Frank, to talk about really what a critical role Owens and Zayn played in this WWE AEW quote unquote war. I don't think this gets talked about enough. Let's rewind about 14 months. Okay. So late 2021, the rumor was both Owens and Zayn were going to jump to AEW. Owens, especially there is a promo, I cannot remember what episode it was, but there's a promo in late 2021 where Kevin Owens phones it in so badly. And you could and remember he tweeted almost there. Mm, like like yeah, he changed was, that. Like and like everyone yeah. was like, oh, he's gone. Like everyone yeah. said, Owens is gone. He's got one foot out the door. And then he stayed. And he was doing and Mount then, Rushmore because that was yes. the old facts when that, the box was. That that yeah. was the coordinates. He 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 tweeted the coordinates almost there. Yes, but then he didn't jump, and Sami Zayn didn't jump, and then Cody, he did jump from AEW to WWE. When you look back at like I hate the word momentum, especially in sports. Like I hate it. It's a very overused word. I don't think it means okay. shit. But in the case of wrestling, I think Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn were the two that really stopped that downhill momentum that downhill being a positive term that AEW had coming off all out. Like everyone was jumping. People Mm -hmm. wanted to jump. They were the hotter product, better weekly television. And people like, Oh, now they're going to add Owens and Zane. And then all of a sudden Owens and Zane were like, no, we're not going to jump. They got big deals. Okay. They got big deals. Look at what they did at WrestleMania last year. If you don't think, that what each guy did at WrestleMania last year, even though they lost to Steve Austin and Johnny Knoxville, both guys will consider that a career highlight. Okay. If you don't think so, you're fooling yourself and you don't know them. And now they're again, they're going to be at the top of, you know, near the top of the card at WrestleMania. I just, I think them re-signing, they don't regret it one iota. And I'm glad they didn't go. I'm glad they didn't go to AEW because, you know, as we'll talk about later, I mean, they just would have been one of, you know, 50 million over there. I mean, they would not have stood out. Um, And you're right. I mean, I didn't think about it from that perspective, but, you know, putting it like that, it's almost, if we're comparing it to the Monday Night Wars, it's almost like your X-Pac to WWF and then your big show a year later. You know, it's Mm -hmm. almost like, okay, that was when the ship started to... Uh, turn in the WWF's favor. So yeah, I think them sticking around and then Cody leaving, you know, jumping ship, which I I don't think, you know, those had anything to do with that. I mean, Cody's issues with the AEW was separate from, you know, yeah. I mean, it, you know, it, it was just a coincidence that it all happened at once, but you cannot argue that right. that period was not a momentum changer for WWE, especially the perception. Cause if, if, 
we, we all agree that the AW roster got too bloated anyway, and more people wound up leaving and, and heading well, over there anyway. But, you know, these three guys all, you know, either staying or coming into the WWE fold and now being the top three baby faces in the promotion, WrestleMania a year later, I, I think that is something that absolutely needs to be noted. Well, it also helped. All right. And listen, I'm not, I'm not one of those, oh, Triple H took over. Everything is wonderful now. No, that, oh. that's not me. But it is better than where we were with Vince by definition of the word better. Okay. So let's, mm. let's, let's be fair. Um, you know, Kevin was messing around with Ezekiel post WrestleMania. Now, I don't know if that was just, okay, we'll just do this for now until we got something better for you later, mm-hmm. you know, and Sammy, Sammy did get involved with the bloodline uh, pretty shortly yeah. after, you know, that was still Vince. Yeah. And that was still Vince. So I don't know what the trajectory was since H took over. All right. Zane had that big night with the, uh, the fatal five way with the intercontinental uh, championship for the right to face Gunther at, um, Oh, what the play at the clash at the castle. Do you remember the fatal five way on us? Yeah. 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 On SmackDown. That was a big night for him. That was a big night. And, uh, it ended up being won by Sheamus, but, um, you know, it was huge. And, you know, even Kevin, like they got Kevin away from Ezekiel. All right. They turned him babyface, which is a much better role for him. And he's been really been in a much better place uh, since the summertime. So, you know, um, I think we have to at least introduce that aspect of it. But, yeah, overall, uh, to, to your point, though, about them sticking around, I think it's um, a lot bigger uh, than what we realize uh, as far as, you know, the people jumping, you know, between WWE and AEW. Because yeah, at the time where I was like, well, why would they stay? What are they going to do? And yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, well, we got to remember one thing. And, and this is the thing, like we sit here as fans and we, you know, we want a fantasy book. Oh, this guy should go here. This guy should go there. This guy should go here. And, you know, not to sound like a party pooper, but those things drive me crazy on social media. Like, you don't know what these guys' circumstances are. I mean, you look at a guy like Kevin, all right? He's, what, 37, 38, right? Something like mm-hmm. that, whatever it is. You know, he's got two kids at home. You got two kids. I got three. You can relate. You know, he's taking a contract that he basically could take care of his family for the rest of his life. Yeah. Right. And you know, he's not going to do garbage. I mean, you know, WWE, but go ahead. No, here's the thing. And AEW would have paid him handsomely, I'm sure, but not as handsomely as WWE. But, you know, I think Owens and Zayn may have looked at it and said, you know, I don't know if I want to work the style that's required regularly in AEW, because when you mention the age, that immediately pops into my head that, you know, I I can... I can work a, I don't know if safer style or whatever, but a more just uh, subdued style in WWE. And, you know, and to be fair, what's so fascinating, and perhaps we'll get into this again with the AEW talk, because I Mm -hmm. know that that AEW conversation really blew up on on our, in our Facebook group. People really want to hear about that. So we'll get to that folks. But um, Zane has gotten over, over the last 12 months or whatever, not, with matches, but with character work and, you know, and that's something, and I'm not saying that no one gets over on character work in AW. As a matter of fact, many people have, <laughs> and it's actually very uh, eye-opening who has gotten over the most over the last 12 months in AW, and how I, the irony is it's been with character, character work. Look, you have to perform at a certain level in the ring in 2023. There's no, no matter what promotion you're in, there is an in-ring expectation, but it is still character work. 
um, that that gets people over the most. And and Zane, he, he's made the most of his opportunity. It's the biggest opportunity. And you talked about Triple H. These are guys who came through NXT, so Triple H does have a loyalty there. I still think that as much as Vince McMahon is a no-good sex pest, I actually think that he had this promotion pointed creatively in a way that works well with his audience before the he lasts. Triple mm-hmm. H, he took away a lot of the dumb shit, right? Like, you know, fart jokes and truth, like acting dumb. But a lot of the stuff he replaced it with isn't great. Like his, un- we'll get to the undercard stuff in a little bit. The undercard stuff is not particularly inspiring. It's just yeah. less dumb, I guess. It's yeah. it's boring instead of insulting. Yeah. B- back to the Owens and Zane thing. I-, I think that that needs to be highlighted because, you know, for the most part in AEW, the bulk of the work that you need to do is in the ring. You know, Tony Khan, you know, you watch him on social media or you you listen to him talk about, you know, dynamite shows. Oh, this is going to be a great match. This is going to be a great match. And Wade talks about this a lot. Like, okay, but what about the character development? And I think for those guys to get over, like you said, there would have been an expectation for them to be in the ring probably a lot more than what they wanted to do. Whereas in backstage promos and in-ring stuff, they've gotten over just as well, maybe even more so than they would have in AEW. So I think that needs to be – I just wanted to highlight that before we uh, – Absolutely, absolutely. Yes, I know I know. Wade gets a lot of guff from his uh, his uh, Dynamite reviews every week. <laughs> Sometimes. Uh, well, I'm not know, saying I disagree. Good. I'm not saying he's wrong. I'm just saying people people jump on him. Be, he's not wrong. You got to be right, careful when you criticize the, the, uh, the E, and I'm not talking about the WWE, the E in the middle, the AEW. Yes. Now, look, I, I mean, I think you and I are on the same page that, you know, we'll criticize criticize it all. Okay. I don't do WWE is better than AEW. I don't, I look at WWE for what they do. I look at AEW for what they do. This is good. This is good. This is bad. This is bad. And that's it. I don't do the whole, you know, one is better than the other. I'm not, I'm not the tribe. No, I like good wrestling. I don't, I don't, I've always said that it has nothing to do with the promotion. What's your favorite kind of wrestling? The good kind. And, you know, I know that was a pretty positive for me, 25 minutes of WWE talk right there. But people are like, what do you, what do you love WWE now? Folks, I'm the guy who went on here and like said 90% of the Royal Rumble pay per view was dog shit. Okay. Which it was. Okay. Trust me. All right. Yeah. I still would love the blood and guts of AEW over the, you know, the, Mountain Dew, you know, black jizz match or whatever that was. Okay. All right. But um, let's go on to some other, because Elimination Chamber has a lot more matches uh, besides Roman and Sammy and more intrigue heading to Mania. Brock Lesnar's wrestling Bobby Lashley. I was very pleased, Frank, to see them working here because it makes me feel that they're not going to work again at Mania. Right? Right? Mm, I I think so. Oh, <laughs> oh. Uh. well, here's the thing. Here's the thing, right? If they're not working at Mania, not that I personally care, but what's Bobby Lashley doing? I don't have a really good answer. I mean, I have some ideas. I mean, I'd like to hear I don't, know how, I don't know how they would get to this, but do you do a triple threat with Gunther, uh, Brock, and Bobby? I mean, you might be able to do that if you want. If you want to hold on, because here's the thing: if you do Brock and Gunther, right? That has which is to be what fair. I want, right? Well, and you want it for the Intercontinental Championship, all right? Does Brock go over, or does Gunther go over? 
That's the thing. Brock has lost a lot of matches over the last few years. Now, granted, it's been to Roman Reigns, and yeah. there's no, you know, there's no shame in losing that. But we know Brock doesn't want to. Brock doesn't want to be a, a jobber. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like he yeah. doesn't want to job all the time. So, you know, do they do Brock, Bobby, and Gunther, and then maybe you know Bobby takes the pin? You know, so you protect Brock. Gunther retains, and you know they have their little moment. You know, I know there was talk about um, Drew and Sheamus and Gunther in a, mm-hmm. in a triple threat, you know, which which could be good. I mean, those guys will just, you know, kick the crap out of each other. But then that leaves Bobby and Brock again, Together, which yeah. you, know, you don't want to see. So I, I don't know. You, you know, I mean, as far as other opponents, I know you talked about um, – you know, Bobby uh, reuniting with the Hurt Business, you know, and I can see the Hurt Business getting involved, you know, but then what, did they do a six-man? Then, then that's going to set up a rematch. Yeah. I think we're going to team with, right? I, I, I can't imagine him being in a six-man. I, I don't think you want to put Brock Lesnar in a six-man tag. So look, you hit on the direction that I want them to go. I want Gunther and Lesnar, and they did tease a little bit in the Rumble, and I felt that was really? deliberate. Now, I thought they... They executed it kind of poorly because, you know, <laughs> Gunther's chopping Lesnar and here's Bobby Lashley's music playing and we're going to focus on him while the crowd's finally getting excited for this moment. It's interesting yeah. that you brought up a three-way with these two and Gunther. That was not something I had thought of. Um, I, I guess I could see that. and You know, if they reunited the Hurt Business, mm-hmm. you've got... Gunther with Imperium, Lesnar with, and, and you could do, all, and that's the way they like to book where you'd have, you know, like the, the seconds in there, you could do six man tags, yeah, you know, with Shelton, Cedric, uh, you know, uh, Ludwig, uh, Ludwig Borga. Ludwig and, uh, <laughs> yeah. And then, <laughs> you know, Ludwig and, and, Borga? <laughs> yeah, Ludwig Borga. Yes. And you know, the, the rest of the Luftwaffe back there. But, um, yeah. you know, I, I could, I guess I could see that being like, because Brock isn't there every week, I could see that being like a post-mania direction. Um, I'm going to bring up a point. I actually thought you were going this way when you brought up, you know, how maybe Brock wouldn't want to lose to Gunther. Because you're right. He, here's the problem here. I can't see... Like lat like because they're they are I think gonna reunite the hurt business and so I can't yeah. see like Lashley like losing them doing a hurt business reunion and Lesnar just going on to go- like that that would throw water on the hurt business reunion if he just jobs and and you right. know, starts that's not a good way to kick that off so uh, maybe I got I I just don't I, I it's don't, a conundrum Kyle it's not yeah. a conundrum because you know if you do if you do um. Drew Sheamus and Gunther, let's just say that leaves Bobby and Brock in a rematch. And and what and you're already doing a hell in a cell, probably as we'll talk about later with Finn and Edge. You're not gonna do two hell in a cell matches. No. What are you gonna do? A fight pit match with, with, with you know uh tapping Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, that's the thing. They would have to do some sort of gimmick match, I guess, to blow it off. Um, some sort of gimmick. You're not the hurt. I'm, I'm sorry, but the hurt business is not getting a six man at WrestleMania. I mean, that's you could do no. that on Raw. So, I mean, does is Matt Riddle coming back? I mean, I don't, I don't think so, buddy. He, yeah, he seems the, like he's he's having you know, like we we've all gone through that phase, but it seems like you know he's getting a, he's got a grill 
he's doing a lot of drugs. I think he's doing a lot of porn stars. I think they're not happy with him right now. Yeah. As a matter I, of fact, I, I feel embarrassed. I got because two years ago I told Zach Haydorn to push that guy to the moon. And boy, oh boy, I wish I could take that back because he is just oh, rooted. When, when they signed him, I, I was incredibly high on him. Um, yeah, I, no. I, you know, but. I mean, is Randy Orton is is he cooked? Is is he? I don't know what his deal is. Is Big E coming back? Like, have you heard anything about him? Like, no, I mean, I, I, he's been making media appearances, obviously. Yeah, so I, I just it's the the <laughs> the other thing. <laughs> now you want to get really crazy. You want to solve all your problems? Just do a fatal five way. I mean, God, Drew. Shit. I mean, think about it like this: just though. put all the losses in. Yeah. yeah, Drew, Sheamus, Gunther, Brock, and Bobby. I, I hate multi-person matches. No, I hate so, it so too, much. Like, like it because it, it's such a cop out. Like, yeah. it, I mean, I guess at least with that one, you would have five of the most over guys in one match. Yeah, and it's not just like, oh, well, why is this guy in in there just to take the? There would be some, I think question as to who was going to take the fall um yeah. you know I, I, on the subject of the hurt business reuniting i i get gotta get a chuckle out of this okay it maybe you don't hear it as much anymore but there was always for years kind of this like um wwe like like looking down at these fans who would complain about their booking decisions mm-hmm. and it was funny because so many times the fans are validated and everybody when they broke up the hurt business I was like, what are you doing? Like, it was it was such a that was like the worst of Vince. He just saw two guys he didn't like or like want to be at that level, and he's like, okay, well, we're just going to take them away from you. Yeah, and yeah. they're going to be nobodies. And it's like, if you were Lashley, why would you want to like like? And and all of them protested it behind the scenes. I know that, but just like in storyline, it makes no sense why a heel champion would want to get rid of his backup. Like it made no sense. So it's just funny. Like once again. Okay, kind of like with Roman Reigns as a heel, which obviously has gone on to be the best thing that ever happened to him. They're going to reunite a group that everyone said shouldn't have been broken up. So um, uh, I get a chuckle out of that. You know, and and you're going to have to re-educate people that Benjamin and and Alexander were worth it. I mean, they just did a job recently, if I remember. I think they jobbed out to, um, what's the two schmucks? Uh, Gable and uh, the Alpha Academy. Uh, I think it was Shush. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I can't believe they're yeah, pushing that fella still. Um, all right, something else that's not funny, Frank. The grit couple. Oh, for God's sakes. Um, I, I did get a chuckle. I don't know if you saw the video. Like somebody had like um isolated this and put on like like Edge uh slapped Beth Phoenix's ass. You know, we all do it to our wives, uh twice. <laughs> and uh and the second time she's like, stop doing that. <laughs> that made me laugh. It was when they came down for their promo on Raw a couple weeks ago. That that, that made me laugh. We've all I, you know what? I didn't catch that. That might have been okay. a Raw. I didn't. There was a, there were a couple of Raws I skipped uh, recently, and uh, I'm sure I'm not going to get any flack for that. So no. <laughs> okay. So at, at the Elimination Chamber, the Grid Couple will be taking on Finn and Rhea. Baby faces, you would presume, need to go over here, but Rhea yeah. needs to be protected because she's working uh, Charlotte. At WrestleMania, I, I you talk uh, that's one okay. Well, while they've figured out how to do this Cody Sammy dynamic on the men's side, I am still very suspect about this Rhea Charlotte dynamic yeah. with Rhea as the heel. And Charlotte Flair is such a hideous baby face. And I, so like that, 
No, it, she, she's just not authentic. I mean, the only thing you can really like about her is that she's Ric Flair's daughter. If you're like a Ric, if you grew up a Ric Flair fan, other than that, she's not likable. But um, Charlotte's a di- she's not on this card. We'll talk. We know what her destination is. Let's talk about Edge's de- destination, Frank. Yeah. Dave Meltzer in the Wrestling Observer newsletter mentioned that Edge versus Finn Balor, Hell in a Cell, was originally going to happen at the Rumble, but Edge was off acting. Uh, so maybe I'm wondering uh, is Hell in a Cell at WrestleMania, Edge and Finn. Because, How did he show up at the Rumble if he was off acting then? That's well, yeah, that, that's a good point. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, he, he, he was, was in the Rumble. Yeah, maybe, maybe it was maybe it was a uh, last second call. But yeah, look, man, I'm just reprinting what, what, what's written. Yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah. No. Um. Uh. So, you, oh, you're asking if it's if it's a good direction. Um. I mean, I'll I'll say this, not to cut you off, but Edge putting over Finn Balor. At WrestleMania, and then that, that presumably being Edge's last match. Yeah. That's not a terrible trajectory. Right. I think. Yeah, I'm fine with it. I mean, it, it'll it'll be a good match. You know, it's not a match that I'm like terribly excited about because I think, you know, it's gonna have some length as Extreme Rules did, you know, 27 and a half minutes or whatever it was that somehow got four and a half stars. Okay. So um you know, I'm not uh, terribly excited about that, but at least, you know, I think the two of them uh, in a hell in a cell uh, will be just fine. Um, yeah, I mean, if it is, in fact, Edge's last match, and I know there's been some uh, some talk about that, um, you know, uh, putting over Finn, you know, could be uh, could be a way to go. And um you know, we'll uh, we'll just have to see. And uh, I see we had some technical difficulties there for a moment, but you are back. Or you're back in business, just like WrestleMania was. Yeah, years ago, I, right. Yeah, I don't know what. Well, so so my so yeah, I don't know what happened. My laptop, um, the charger had fallen out, so I moved that, and this is tremendous. Oh lord, everybody! And, and so I did it, and then all of a sudden the stream started having some issues. So I, I apologize to anybody listening if. If we had some issues there, um, that was on my end. I'll, I'll, that's what happens when Ryan doesn't host a show and I host a show. It's all sort of technical <laughs> difficulties. But look, look, I mean, Edge and Finn just seems like, yeah, it's one of those matches that everyone will say is better than I think it is. And it'll go too long. Um, mm-hmm. But, I mean, Edge is presumably wrapping up here. And I, I and, and I, I, I am always of the opinion that if somebody is just made and they don't have like this great, like he should put somebody over on the way out. And like Finn Balor could actually use that boost beating yeah. edge in edges last match. So I, I could see that happening. Um, you know, cause Dom is going to wrestle Ray. Obviously I think Damian yeah. Priest, maybe he might be uh odd man out in the judgment day, but Oh, well, um, all right. <laughs> Elimination chamber is the name of the premium live event. As you know, Frank, and the irony of that is the actual Elimination Chamber matches are probably the matches I'm looking forward to the least on this card. I think it is total mid-card fodder in both instances. Yeah. Uh, the women's, look, I know people get mad when you say this, but I am not afraid of the Dirty Diaper Club, okay? I think the women's will be dreadful, as per usual. <laughs> and you look at the lack of star power there, uh, oh boy. But uh, let's start with the men's, okay? It's for the U.S. title. It's Austin yeah. Theory. It's Seth Rollins. It's John Gargano. It's Bronson Reed. It's Damian Priest. It's Montez Ford. I'm looking at these names, Frank. 
Mm-hmm. Every one of them, save for Rollins, came up through the Triple H NXT in the last couple years, right? Yeah. And, and I'm thinking, because because it's been such an issue with these guys failing to get over on the main roster, okay? Have has any why don't they do like video packages when these guys come from NXT, like showing their highlights there, showing that they were a big deal instead of just having Michael Cole going, Oh my God, do you know who that is? Graves. That's that's Bronson Reed from NXT. And we're just supposed to like, think that's impressive. That was something that entered my mind when I was looking at the names on this list. The only time I ever remember them doing that. And I swear they did this. You'll just have to take my word for it. If you can't remember was Ty Dillinger of all people. Oh my God. Jesus Lord. Ty Dillinger. And they just showed people doing the 10, but at least it made him seem like a big deal. Right. Now they booked him like a, a, an incompetent boob when he was on the main roster. But I mean, I don't, why don't they do those high? Like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, listeners. I have never seen one highlight. Like, hey, you want to know whatever, why everyone's talking about this guy? You want to know why we're so excited to have him on Raw or SmackDown? Look at what this guy's all about. They never do that. They did do, well, I'll, I'll actually jump in here. They okay. did do a long series of videos, but it never materialized to anything. And he's out of wrestling right now. And that was Lars Sullivan. If you go back to the end of 2018. I know it wasn't and, on that promotional video. What's that? I know it wasn't on that promotional video. He, um, you know, <laughs> they did a lot of it. Cause it, that was that time where the McMahons, you know, promised change, you know, that whole deal. And, uh, you know, they were bringing up six acts from NXT. And he was one <laughs> of them. Aren't they all gone already? They're all EC3. Uh, uh, let's see. EC3. Uh, well, Nikki Cross is still here. Uh um, oh, Lacey Evans. Lacey Evans. One half of Heavy Machinery is still here in Otis. Uh, <laughs> Sullivan's gone. Uh, and there was another act I can't, uh, I can't remember. Sucker. But what a motley crew that was! Yeah, yeah, that was that was that was Triple H. Like here, Vince, here, take these. I, I don't want them. Take them. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like remember that? Yeah, and yeah, let's just uh, talk about uh, talk about shit in the bed. Um, now, is that what you call it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't. You know, and, and it's funny you bring that up because that was one of the things when when I well when we were younger. You know, the vignettes, Razor Ramon is the one that jumps off the page. You know, mm-hmm. all those vignettes of him and, uh, you know, coming to the WWF, that that made me look forward to the character uh, showing up on TV. And then when he finally arrived, it was it was cool. So, uh, yeah, I, I I don't have a good maybe they just don't, you know, I mean, you know, Triple H has only taken over since, you know, July. So prior to that, I don't know if Vince, you know, ever thought of that. Maybe he didn't want to highlight these guys because you know these weren't guys that were under my auspices these were nxt guys wanna you know just in case they flop so but but, i mean you look at it okay you know gargano and reed have both been called up under triple h's watch and it was it was more of the same it was just michael cole saying you know who this is you know and like (laughs) i think uh my favorite one was carrion cross when he first showed up on that smackdown and Pat McAfee's like, what does that mean with the hourglass? And Michael Cole's like, that means TikTok. <laughs> and then and then I'm like, okay, that's an outstanding explanation. And then Roman Reigns, I don't know if he, like, I'm going to just choose to believe it was in my heart of hearts 
that he was kind of like shooting and just shitting on Cross intentionally. He gave Cross, if you go back and watch that SmackDown, the most dismissive look you have ever seen a main eventer give a oh, non-main eventer. He was just like, like Roman's like looking at Kier Cross like, the fuck are you doing in my segment, pal? And like yeah. that, that made me laugh so hard. Not, not, not to start talking about Cross, but I, I, I defended Cross for a little while. I'm done oh, defending that guy. Oh, he stinks. Yes, he stinks. Like I'm, I'm. Listen, I'm okay with depth pieces, you know, because you need some people that can eat losses, but you need to be good, and he is not good. No, Caitlin, Caitlin Pettiani, Caitlin Rose Pettiani, my 11 year old daughter, was watching. Maybe it was Clash at the Castle. And she turns around. She goes, "Yeah, this guy's not that scary at all." Like, what? Is, out of the mouths of babes. Okay, God so, bless yeah. her. You know, <laughs> somebody said he's not a wrestling monster. He looks like an airport security guard. You you would be able to attest <laughs> yes, that. Yes. Does he does he look like the guy who kind of like you know helps you through gate D when you're in a rush or what? He might he he, he could be a TSA agent. You know, yeah. he, could, he could be one of those guys. You know, checking bags and like, hey, we need to. Uh, you know, we need to check your bags. You know, we need to see what's in there with those big eyes. Like, get the <laughs> hell out of here, man. And his, wife, and his wife, not for nothing. She is, she's an embarrassment. Like, I'm actually embarrassed watching the TV. Like, look, don't get me wrong. She's nice to look at and everything, but. Her facial about, expressions. Oh, my. Like, it's embarrassing. Yes. She's like. I, 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 if I'm watching, I hope Erin is, like, sleeping or I hope she has her head turned or in her phone so she doesn't see it. Because it's just, I, I, ugh, I can't. Oh, God. Yeah. Anyway. So, all right. All right. Back to the Elimination Chamber. We really got off the thing. So, there's six guys. The reason I brought that up is I've seen some people online talk, oh, I can't wait for this match. And I'm like, the fuck? I'm like, these are like, other than Seth Rollins, who I hate, none of these people are really over. Now, on that note, okay, I've talked about hierarchy in the past on the program. And I wanted to relook at that with this match because, you know, it's a match where five of the six people I don't think are, are really over. And you look at the men's side of WWE, who's on the second tier behind Roman Reigns, who's on a first tier by himself right now, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, Cody, obviously, is get, is wrestling Reigns at, at Mania and, and could very well be the champion at Mania. But I for right now, Cody is a tier below Roman. Mm-hmm. Uh, joining him would be you know, Lesnar, Lashley, Drew, Rollins, Edge, Orton, when healthy, and then Owens and Zayn uh, over the last year. Only one of those guys is competing in a match for the U.S. title. And what's yeah. funny is, and that's Rollins, he's the least likely to win, I think. Yeah. Because he's probably earmarked. It seems like Logan Paul is his destination yeah. for WrestleMania. Yeah. I cannot stress, by the way, how much I want Logan Paul to beat Seth Rollins at WrestleMania. Uh- I would not completely rule that out. I, I have Seth Rollins as a very low probability. I could see them wanting – I mean, I don't think they're going to do it. I mean, I think Theory's going to retain. But I could see a scenario where Rollins wins and then Logan Paul challenges him for the U.S. title. Uh, okay. Well, see, I, I have a bit of an issue for that because I do think they need to elevate someone. And how mm-hmm. are you going to elevate someone? I think you need to elevate someone and the U.S. title concurrently. Yeah. So I, yeah. I think you need, especially because, you know, if Edge is leaving, Orton is made out of glass, Lesnar's not around all the time. Yeah. True McIntyre, I mean, how long can he kind of stay at that same level? Um, you know, he had his moment of Clash of the Castle. It's probably not, 
he, he won a you know his first title at WrestleMania. He's not getting back to that level. So you do need to elevate what somebody, and you really only need to elevate one guy for now. So what I want to see here um, is, you know, an, an honest to God push. Yeah. Okay. And Meltzer he references he said, and and I hear this a lot from people. So there had been talk in the past about Theory versus Cena at WrestleMania. Uh huh. I know where you're going. Yeah, and I don't mind that at all. But Meltzer said that doesn't need the U.S. title. And I vehemently disagree with that line of thinking. It's the line of thinking that's made the U.S. title and the Intercontinental title just not worth that much. To me, okay, people are going to say, well, if John Cena is challenging for the U.S. title, you know he's not going to win for the U.S. title. If Brock Lesnar's challenging Gunther, you know he's not going to win the Intercontinental title. That yeah. is a... That is a dumb reason not to do those matches. I'm telling you right now. Yeah. You it elevates the titles when the champions beat stars. Yeah. I think the best thing for the secondary titles would be Austin Theory beating Cena and Gunther beating Brock Lesnar. Yeah. I would say nice things about the WWE if they did that. Yeah. And it, it would show a departure. We talked about balls, it would show a departure from what they're used to because what they would do. You know, and, and I've heard people defend this. Well, they got to get the U.S. title off of Theory because he's wrestling John Cena, and then oh, they got to get the Intercontinental title off of Gunther because he's working Brock. Bullshit! You know, it makes the title look like shit. And that, and and see, and that's really more the point because now you're making the title feel like a prop. Okay, mm-hmm. you know, now in the long term, let's just say. This was what they had in mind for Theory, uh, you know, to wrestle Cena at WrestleMania. If you took the title off of him at the Royal Rumble, let's say, and you put it on, put it back on Bobby Lashley, you know, whatever. And he had a lengthy run, you know, and he was wrestling, uh, you know, pick your Bronson Reed in a hot fight. I'm just making something up. You know, that's fine. That's a different story because you, you will have taken the title off of Theory to put it on somebody who is worthy of having it and worthy of having a match with you know, someone at WrestleMania, but just to take it off of him for the purpose of, you know, said competitor to have a match with John Cena, that makes the title feel like a prop. And, and I the secondary you know? titles are elevated when the champions beat actual stars. Okay. And it's a lot more effective than, you know, Sean Ross Sapp jerking off to Pedro Morales <laughs> video packages and saying <laughs> secondary titles are back. Cause remember they, remember, people were like in a rush to like freaking like, uh, you know, you know, get in bed with triple H. Cause he ran one video package on a secondary title. They're like, Oh my God, the you right. he, triple H cares about these secondary. Cause no, you want to truly care about it. Right. You, you actually make the guy holding it a star. And to be fair, Lashley and Rollins, which were U.S. champions in the past, but you can't let the belt fall down, you know, anymore. And not for nothing, what's a story that everybody loved a few years ago? The John Cena U.S. title open challenge. I -hmm. mean, you know, they have been dropping breadcrumbs on Raw with uh, Theory saying the champ is here, you know, and, and saying little John Cena nuances. I mean, if you have theory retain, all right, and I think you should. I really think I you do should. too. Because you know what? Now, this has nothing to do with whether you like theory or not, but it seems like he is on an upward trajectory. Push somebody. We talk about WWE pushing new stars, and we're going to get to this with AEW later. You have theory on that trajectory. Keep it going, all right? 
winning this elimination chamber match. Now, granted, there's a lot of fodder in here. Like, well, I don't know if there's really fodder, you know, so much, but there's guys that really they're not are, over. They're not right, right. They're, they're in that, but still, it gives him that bragging point that I won an elimination chamber. There's nobody here that's worthy of the uh, U.S. title. So, you know, I'm just going to throw an open challenge. Anybody who wants this, yeah, come and get it if, if you're worth it. And then, you know, that, that's a good idea. That, that's a really that's good, a good idea. idea. That's, that's how they should it. do it. And everybody that's, loved uh, the that's, Cena that's, open challenge a few uh, years ago. That's more, really that got like, more over than I thought it did. I really like that idea, Frank, a lot. That's exactly what they should do. And hmm. I, I want to talk about honest pushes. You and I um, on Pro Wrestling Then and Now. Uh, when we talked about Survivor Series 92. Yeah. We had a discussion about Tatanka. Mm-hmm. Yes, we are going to bring up Tatanka here on the program today. I was wondering about that. I forgot about the uh, Okay, and, we, and the thing with Tatanka is, okay, Tatanka was not particularly good. We all know that, right? But you know why we know he's not particularly good? Because he was given an honest-to-God push. He was kept undefeated for like two years, and he never really got over. You never really wanted to see him in a top spot. But the key is, and what they with older wrestling is, they always gave honest to God push, real pushes, where they right. were like, "Hey, you, like you know, that's why we know Diesel sucked as the champion. They put all their muscle behind him, and he didn't get over. He didn't draw. So you can look and say, "Hey, it wasn't the promotion. It wasn't crappy booking. It was this guy wasn't the answer." And too, too much in modern wrestling, you feel that guys didn't get an honest. Push. And with Austin Theory, I don't know if this guy's very good, to be honest with you. I have not seen anything from him that screams awesome to me. I, I, I really haven't. He's kind of underwhelming. There's a lot of chin locks in his matches. Maybe his fundamentals are good. But, you know, he's not particular. like, relative to how they push him, he's probably not even over to the level of his push right. so far. But I also feel like, look how they pushed him. You know, they made him like, you know, you know, Vince's young boy last year. Okay. That's, that's that that, that sucked. And, and then and then how did he get the US title, Frank? They had him lose money and fail to cash in money in the bank, which is always like such a loser thing. And then he grows a beard and wins it again. That's not a great push. To me, what we're the scenario we're laying out, he wins Elimination Chamber, he beats John Cena at WrestleMania. Okay. If you do these things. That an honest to God push, and the right. guy's still not over. You're doing yourself a favor because you know the guy doesn't have it. Right. That it's worth trying rather than you know beating around the bush and just doing you know one step forward, two steps back with somebody. So that's why I, I wanted to bring that up. Yeah. I, they, they really looking at the guys in this field. They they just need to choose somebody. It's like to, we talk about Tony Khan, and we will talk about it in a little bit. Like. You got a lot of toys. You got to pick a favorite. Right. And to me, John, John Gargano is not an answer. I mean, this guy's gone for the next Ricky Morton or the next Ricky Schroeder in about six years. Okay. Bronson Reed. Okay. Maybe, but he's still kind of new. Yeah. Priest is uh, in a group and hmm. Ford is just there. I think to do some spots. Ford, I think is going to get the star making performance. I think that'll do more for him than winning the title. And that's fine. I mean, they yeah. could they could put the title on him, but I don't think I, I don't think that you're at that point. There's sort of a cadence to something like that, you know. And uh, I, which by the way, I sure hope they don't break up the street profits and turn like Montez Ford heel 
or Angelo Dawkins here. Like, just let them just go their separate ways and be friends, but pursue singles routes. You know what I mean? Like, we're could just they not- be in the hurt business? I saw somebody like put up a, uh, a, a like incorporate them. Like, because Ford doesn't fit the hurt. Angelo could go in the hurt business. Okay. Angelo's got the person. Ford does not. Ford. I feel kind of guilty saying that, to be honest with you. I don't know. I may have Ryan. I mean, if you want. Yeah, if you want to do that, I mean, Angelo fits it more than than Montez. Montez to me still works babyface. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I agree. There. Yeah, he's the guy who's going to get a big spot in this match, right? Yeah. Montez Ford. Where that leads, I don't know. Um, yeah. you know I know a lot which of people. Very interesting, which is very. If I may cut in, it's yeah. very interesting that he got unceremoniously tossed at the Rumble. Now I don't know if there was maybe an injury or something like that, and they didn't want him in there very long, but. You know, it just doesn't. The timeline doesn't fit. It doesn't that, make that sense. Doesn't, that doesn't scream you're getting a big push. I talked about that. I said, who did he piss off? Uh, yeah. But you know, I, I remember. You know, it's funny. You go back and watch the 04 Rumble. JBL gets tossed in like 20 seconds, and then like as he's a baby face. You know, the, this is when the APA was in its dying days. And then four months later, he's J. Well, he was just Bradshaw at the time, obviously. And then four months later, he's the world champion. <laughs> <laughs> so like i mean sometimes that ha- it was so it wouldn't be unprecedented for a guy to just get dumped like he's a sack of nothing in the rumble yeah. and then get a big push but i don't know i i think i see why people are really high on montez four as a single but he kind of has to he's got like some ingredients that you'd like to see but again yeah. i don't think he's really shown me yet that he can be a great singles wrestler i think he needs to be thrown into the deep end yeah, and you need to see what you get. But I mean, like other than an underwhelming match against Seth Rollins last fall, I haven't seen much from him singles no, wise. There's still there's still a road if you want to uh, if you want to do that with Montez. There's still some you know some character development. I mean, for the most part, you know the street profits have been hype guys, you know, and doing comedy stuff on television. I mean, there have been some serious moments, and those are the moments that are really good. I mean, when Montez wants to you know get down to business, he can. You know, so there's still. But they got to take off a lot of that goofiness and, you know, cut those promos. Talk about what you want to do. Talk about pursuing the U.S. title. You know, talk about being a fan. And, you know, I was a fan of, you know, Dusty Rhodes or Sting or pick your U.S. champion, you know, when, when you were, uh, you know, well, actually, he's probably more the modern WWE. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> I don't know who he got behind as a U.S. Yeah. champion. <laughs> well, here, here's the thing to it. And you bring up something. When you split a guy up from a tag team, mm-hmm. okay, and and – and you're someone of our age, Frank, we're close enough age, you always compare it to who? Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. And what made... Gennady and Shawn, you mean? No, no, I'm talking about breaking up, like like guys who got a, who got broke off from a tag team to become oh, stars. Okay. I, I Bret Hart and yeah, Shawn yeah, yeah. Michaels. What helped those guys so much was they got the Intercontinental title not long after. Mm-hmm. And my concern with Montez Ford I'm not against Montez Ford getting a singles push. But what I've always cautioned is I don't want to see him broken off into a single and then not really doing anything for a long time because it sort of like gives him the mid-card sting. If they're going to break him off, he needs a destination. He needs to be able to maybe win the secondary title, perhaps as a baby face from Austin Theory down the line. But you can't wait like two years to do that. but like yeah. if he does it within a couple months, then I think you're on a decent trajectory. But I just don't want them breaking him apart just because. 
Yeah, no, and, and and Jenkinson even talked about that in the group. You know, if if Montez is a guy that you want to build up as, you know, even a top act, you know, even mm-hmm. as a world champion down the line, start laying the groundwork now. Start on the path, you know, and the U.S. title or the Intercontinental title can be on that path. I mean, it worked for so many guys in the past. You look at, I know he's a scumbag, and but he's dead anyway. The Ultimate Warrior, okay. <laughs> Went the went the uh, the IC route. People fell in love with him. He was a world champion. Brett, Sean, um, you know, even Diesel. You know, you know, he was a shitty champion, but still, he they all went the IC title route. And you know, somehow for another, we got away from that in the modern WWE. And I think that's what Triple H is trying to bring back. Like I think that I think Austin Theory is kind of an example of like an early nineties. You know, like. Shawn Michaels type of push. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like getting that IC title. I don't know if he's meant to be a world champion down the line. That's, mm-hmm. that's not what I'm suggesting. But, you know, if that's something that they do have in mind, at least he's going, you know, the mid-card title route. Maybe that's what he's earmarked for forever. Who knows? But yeah. it's... Well, it's he, he's got... He's got. Well, here's the right. thing. And we talked about giving guys God on his pushes. If he's meant for the top of the card, he'll show it. It'll it'll have and, and you know don't, you know who's gonna tell you don't the tell fans. us yeah don't the fans ta- will tell you yeah don't don't do this like tell us bullshit where it's like oh he's he's like the youngest whatever and oh he's been endorsed by Vince McMahon or whatever show us that you're good but give the guy the actual yeah. chance to do it and if he, and the the thing is it's a win win if he shows you and he's great okay right. we put we say he's great and move right. keep moving off the card but if he does if he shows that he's eh, this guy's pretty mediocre then. It's a win too because you're like, okay, well, we we know that this guy's not meant for the top of the card. You know, somebody call up Grayson Waller or whatever, right. I guess, even though but I don't you think also, he's any Kyle, you also make the secondary titles mean something because for a while, I feel like the secondary titles were used for, okay, this guy's fodder right now. We want to try to make him mean something. So let's slap the US yes. title on him. Okay. Or let's slap the IC. That that's what it became. And that's where those titles meant absolutely nothing. Like I, I, I can't probably name like five intercontinental champions from 09 to like, you know, 2013, you know, I mean, maybe two, but you know, you get my point, you know, it's mm-hmm. just like, if you do it this way, you know, it actually means something. And um, yeah. So you know, not to belabor the point. No, no, no. You're, you're absolutely, you know, spot on. And, you know, I don't know about you. I would absolutely rather see the profile the respective profiles of the ic and u.s titles mm-hmm. raised than splitting the world titles again you know it's it's funny you bring that up because i brought that up on my last pro wrestling then and now okay mm-hmm. and I, I have to admit i i said you know what each show should have its champion but then we talked about it and i thought about it after the show and i'm like you know what each show does have its own champion yes Okay, you have the U.S. championship, you have the Intercontinental Championship. The only problem is Roman just hasn't been around as much. You know, he just hasn't been around, so that's why you really don't haven't had a lot of world title programs. I mean, what what have you had like two or three in the last year? But here's the thing: has it hurt the promotion? Do we? No, it hasn't. Like this idea, this idea. Oh, we need more world title match. No, you don't. And we talked about that. We, you know, uh, Justin and I, uh, not Justin Joint, Justin Girardi. We we talked about this last week, hanging out there in the Super Bowl. You know, Cody when he's the world champion, right? The undisputed, uh, universal, whatever. You know, one month he could defend uh, against somebody on Raw. 
you know, next month it could be somebody from SmackDown, you know, and, and you don't have to do that officially, you know, but you can kind of quietly, you know, come up with it. It doesn't have to be every month. I mean, growing up watching wrestling, did we have to have a title match every month? No. You know, you went to house shows. Yeah. You went to house shows every month. You saw it, but it, was, it wasn't really official unless it was on TV. But what we watch, three or four title matches a year? And we were just fat, dumb, and happy to get that. So it made it seem like a really big deal. And Roman Reigns matches, say what you will, are do feel like big deals when he's in there. Um, right. You know, it's, it's funny. I bring that up. And this is, I guess, a good transition because they still have two women's championships, each brand. And the women's chamber on Saturday is for a shot at Bianca Belair's Raw women's title because we know Rhea is challenging Charlotte. It's so funny, too, that like, Rhea's been on Raw, but she's just like, well, fuck it, I'm going to SmackDown. Like, no explanation really why. I mean, she gave an explanation, but it's it's funny that they do it. But, man, I said on the Rumble post, uh, on the Rumble show I did with Justin Joy on Extra, I said Bianca is in dire need of a credible challenger for Mania. And by God, I don't think we're getting it here with this uh, sextet. Asuka, <laughs> Raquel Rodriguez... Liv Morgan, Nikki Cross, Carmella, and fucking Natty. <laughs> Woof. <laughs> oh, uh, look, you talk about people who could you could see challenge. Um, Bianca at Mania. I think only Asuka and Raquel seem viable to me. Interesting. Okay. In the Observer, uh, this caught me uh, for a loop. They said the original plan was Ronda Rousey and Raquel Rodriguez at WrestleMania for the SmackDown mm-hmm. title. That makes me think Raquel's winning here if she was earmarked for a title program. But man, I, I uh, Bianca Belair, Raquel Rodriguez, I don't know how that goes in a, in a WrestleMania situation. I'm more for Asuka. I mean, it's, it's, it's the safe, it's not. It's not exciting, but it's more the safe bet. I know Asuka could do it. I mean, you know, she's had title matches at Mania before, you know. <laughs> and Charlotte you know, is better than Asuka. I could never I, I'll never forget they had her say that. Oh god, oh my god. That was then, that wrestle. I am still bitter over 34. And then, and then she just gawked as John Cena ran off. The woman's undefeated streak, multi-year undefeated streak ends. She gets on the mic, Charlotte is better than Asuka. And now I'm just going to stand in awe as John Cena runs to get ready for his match. Uh, that, that to me. And, and then the next thing you know, she's jobbing a freaking Carmella. All right. For the, uh, on, I mean, it's just, oh, it was just so bad. Um, yeah, I'm still bitter over that. Yeah, honestly, you know, looking at this field, this is more of the who can we see rather than, you know, who's really good. I mean, nothing is really – I mean, I, I do like the fact that Asuka has a better – you know, a different presentation now. I do like the fact that, you know, she's coming out with her more uh, violent character. Go ahead. Look how you want Although, to yeah, yeah. Although the only thing is I, – I brought this up on the road, but I hate how phony it is when somebody's been like a job or the stars for months yeah. on end. And then they just walk out with the new presentation. Yeah. We're supposed to act like, oh my God, like this is a whole, it's like, it's the same fucking person. I know what you mean. No, no, I I know what you're saying. It's, it's very phony and it's, you can see right through it. And, and, and I, I completely, I completely understand that. Um, I, I guess for me, it's more like, all right, you know what? I'm glad we're getting this, 
you know, and as long as the, the presentation continues to be, you know, what she's doing, you know, because I couldn't stand comedic. After a while, I couldn't stand comedic Oscar. It was just such a. It was awful. And people yeah. liked it. I was like, am I missing something? Yeah, no. Um, yeah, no, nah, it's, yeah, no, you're not, you weren't missing anything. Um, <laughs> uh, Raquel, I, I, I just don't, I just don't feel like she's ready. I just don't feel like she's at that level. That's a match like Bianca and Raquel. They would like that. It's 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 a point that was underscored over in AEW with the recent uh, acclaimed Gun Club match. Like they would have to work really hard, those two, Raquel and Bianca, on like the house show loop to get a match. Yeah, ready. Like I just because like I, I I don't know. I just think it, and it the might size be difference hurts. You know, Raquel. Is- I, I just I think it's 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 two relatively still green women in there. And like who's leading the match? I don't know. I I think like the I could see where the match just wouldn't be up to par for a championship level match. I mean, Bianca had that great match with Becky last year, and yeah. this is going to bring me to another point here. Um, l- let's go in this direction, okay? Um, first off, okay, this match is going to stink. The women's chamber. I'm sorry, people don't want to hear. It. It's going to be bad, okay? Yeah. After the novelty of the first ones wore off, all these multi person matches WWE feels compelled to do with the women rumble. Chamber, Money in the Bank, War Games, they all stink. And I don't give a damn if people get mad at me for saying that. They're not good. It's just people almost getting into place for their opponent to do spots. I mean, the women's rumble every year is just miserable. Uh, You know, I went off on that, uh, on on that extra. But something that's interesting here, okay, because we talk about who leads if it's Bianca and Raquel. I thought it was kind of weird on Raw they do this Bianca-Becky-Bailey match, which... Really, if you think about it, highlighted the need for bigger stars in the chamber. Mm-hmm. Like, like they're basically saying, like, because Bianca or pardon me, Becky and Bailey, a lot of B's here, are bigger stars than anyone in the chamber. Yeah, right. I think that's a fair comment. And they're out there saying, "I want a place in it." And if you're a fan, you're like, "Yeah, I'd be." I think this match would benefit from one or both of these women being in it. But they don't win, so there's no change to the match. That's kind of an odd thing to do on your television, I think. Right. I think we could get a multi-per... Because, uh, again, I think they're going to look at this, and whether it's Bianca defending against Asuka or Raquel, again, I don't see the other four having it. hope in hell. I think they're going to look at this and say, eh, we need some star power. I could see... like, Because what's Becky going to do at WrestleMania? She said she doesn't want to work Ronda. And I think Ronda's like in the women's tag title situation, for God's sake. I, I, Who so, gives a shit what she's doing, Kabyon? Yeah. Who cares what she's doing, Ronda? Yeah. I, 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 God, I can't wait till somebody gives us the lowdown on what the deal with this comeback run is. Because it was so phoned in from her perspective. Yeah, I, I've heard things. I can't say them right now on the air. But like something is just a miss, I, I think, with Ronda's whole comeback run. I don't know who's necessarily fault it is. Yeah, but I mean, God, I mean, she had all the you know enthusiasm, like I've said in the past, of, a, of someone in an Iranian hostage video uh, in the last twelve <laughs> months. But you, you know, do, do, do you could you see that where like Becky is doing the oh, what about my WrestleMania journey and my moment? She like fights to make it a three way. Yeah, they'll come up with something because I don't, I don't see right. So let let's just say Ronda and Shayna are going to wrestle. Who the hell has the tag title? Is it the 
uh, I was going to say the gun club. Listen to me. The, um, <laughs> that, would, that would be something. Damage that control. Would be so, I'd, I'd be more into that than I did. No, uh, the damage control, right? Yeah. They, they still. Yeah. Uh, Kai and Sky. That's another, that's another mess. Uh, you know, so let's just say they're going to get that. That's probably going to be like a multi, because I could see that being a multi-team deal. You know, just to get people on the card, like I could see, like Ronda and Shayna versus Damage Control versus. Oh, God, what a you waste know? of Ronda Rousey! I don't care what you think of Ronda Rousey. Like, this is a woman who was once a very big star. Yeah, and for her to be in a multi-person tag, te- a multi-team women's tag title match at WrestleMania, what a sad state of affairs. I, you know, I think we've gotten to the point where they, they, they just don't, when her contract is up, you, you don't need her. And it's like just, I said, I, I want to know what the deal was for the yeah. last moment. So, something is rotten in Denmark, I believe. Yeah. With Ronda yeah. Rousey and WWE. Now you just said something interesting. Becky didn't want to work with Ronda. That was what I, the, the impression that I got or what, what I had heard that like, because didn't you think like I th- I thought for sure it was a slam dunk it was going to be Becky and she was going to get her long awaited win over Ronda. Versus, I figured Becky versus Ronda and Charlotte versus Bianca. I thought those were going to be the two matches. Yes, me too. And you know, yes, yeah, something that title change was weird because it happened like it happened like right away when Charlotte came back and you know Ronda just wrestled. I I forgot who the hell she wrestled. Who cares? But uh, yeah, and, and Maddie. Then, <laughs> yeah, for God. Uh, fucking natty. Yeah. Well, she'll, they'll find a, you know what, you know what I could see? You know what I could see? What? Natty and Liv versus Damage Control versus Ronda and Shayna. And this like Carmella and, and Carmella, Nikki Cross too in there. Yeah. 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 A four way to, now, now listeners, this is not me saying this is a good idea. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is just me taking WWE thinking and applying, you know what I'm saying? So I don't want Rick Skelton or Jenkinson or anybody else to get mad at me. I'm just, you know, (laughs) I'm applying my knowledge of WWE, what I think they're going to do, but can you totally see that? Yeah. You know, we were talking about how the elimination chamber matches, which the show's named after are like the least interesting matches on this card. I remember, you know, Meltzer in like 2008, the observer saying what a great idea between the rumble and mania i remember reading that i don't know about that it just it's just more and like yes it's like okay well like they only do it to support their silly rules i feel it's like okay well they used to have two champions so it's like the rumble winner gets one and then it's like okay here's the third place game in the elimination chamber to determine the shot at the other one i think the elimination chamber would work better if you had like a great multi-person feud going on and we want to get them all in the chain, like, you know, like they did with the early ones. And we're yeah. going to put six guys in the chamber and it, when the situation calls for it, just like Hell in a Cell, which Hell in a Cell is obviously a two-person deal. But I, I, I've never liked the Elimination Chamber being between Rumble and Mania. I think it it totally, um, I don't know, it just makes it just, it's like we have to do these qualifying matches. You just have to like, it, it's it's February, so we have One to find six random people. To, you, we have to find six random people to go in this match. And, yeah. and you see some of these, a lot of people just aren't over in these matches. Well, that's that's the problem is, I mean, you're putting people in there like Kofi. Well, you know, before Kofi was, uh, you know, over, uh, you're putting the great Kali, Santino, Morella. I mean, you know, when you got guys like that, Snitsky, then Snitsky get into a chamber match at some oh, point. Oh, dear God. 
I mean, I feel, you know, whatever. I mean, it's, you know, that that's more the issue than anything else. I mean, I guess, um, I guess I'm kind of partial because when my wife started watching in 09 with me, she enjoyed the chamber on the way to Mania. So I guess I have a little bit of a soft spot for it, but I mean, I guess my only counter would be maybe they could have done that or maybe they could have done it like in route to SummerSlam. So that way you're not doing two gimmick matches so close to each other. Go ahead. Sorry. He, he, you, you've brought this up too. You know, you have a Royal Rumble, which is determining, you know, who's going to face the champion at Mania. You know, you could potentially have people that were unceremoniously tossed or not even in the Rumble in an elimination chamber for either a title or a shot at the title. So how does that work? You know, <laughs> like, I, I just don't like the elimination chamber being used as a, oh, well, this is just going to be this arbitrary match to determine a, cont- a number one contender. Or yeah. just like, or it's going to be for the title and we need to find five people to challenge for the champion. It works best when all six people involved have commingling issues. Right. And I, I just, I, I don't like when they do it this way. Um, you talk about people who aren't over. Baron Corbin. Okay, we got to get to this. And then we're going to wrap up the WWE section here. Okay. I, I don't, I brought this up with Justin on the Rumble Post Show. I don't do a lot of personal stuff on Facebook anymore, Frank. Yeah. So when I go on Facebook and I look through it, a lot of these like recommended things are other wrestling groups. Because the one thing I still do on Facebook, obviously, is participate in the Top Rope Nation Facebook group. If you already haven't joined that, go ahead and join everybody. Top Rope Nation Pro Wrestling Discussion on Facebook. So I see these other discussion groups. And my word, the takes I see in these groups are just absolutely Hideous. Thank God I have a good group to talk in because these other the, the takes I see are hideous. And Rick Skelton brought one of these up, and I saw it in one of these other groups on Facebook that was recommended for me. Baron Corbin, how people I don't get the hate towards Baron Corbin. He's a safe worker and he can be coached. And I'd love to see him go back to the lone wolf. The fuck are we talking about at this point, folks? Look, who gave a shit about the lone wolf? That that's what I'm saying. Like is that where we're at with WWE that we're having nostalgia for Lone Wolf era Baron Corbin? Who, and who the hell said this? People, dude, I have seen multiple people groups say it's like I don't get the Corbin hate, you know, and for all the reasons. And folks, look, I've seen Baron Corbin's social media. It looks like he's a very nice home. He has a very attractive wife, and he can grill steaks. Okay, and God bless him. But I do not weep for this man. At all. He has never been over. And right. it's not all his fault. I actually think there is probably some talent there. And of course the lone wolf was his best presentation because all the other presentations were just fucking rotten. I mean, they've given him now two loser gimmicks. Has there anyone in WWE history who has been given two loser, the loser gimmick twice? Because remember, he was down on his luck doing uh, the stuff where he lost all his money and stuff. And then he became happy Corbin, which was no good. And, you know, he was the constable, which was yes. no good. And, and what, what, what was so fascinating, I said this before, no one picked up on it. And you referenced the Raw earlier when the McMahons got in the ring and admitted Raw had been shitty, okay, in, in late 2018. Yeah. Who, who came out in that segment at the end? Constable Corbin. And they told the audience, you're the reason this show has sucked. Now, that's not true, okay? Right. Baron Corbin was not the reason – 
Raw, now him being on the show a lot didn't help, but he, <laughs> he, I, obviously it was just a, be a poorly written show that just didn't have a lot of stars at the time. But with the modern audience, if if they've made their mind up that someone's not that good, and then the people who you know in charge are in charge of the promotion come out and say this guy's no good, it confirms what they think. This guy's no good. Yeah. And he's been dead in the water ever since. It doesn't matter how safe he is or how coachable he is right. or right. what the fuck ever he is. He's yeah. never been over and he's been on main roster television. This WrestleMania makes it seven years. That's the Jake Roberts rule. Yeah. But, well, what's the Jake Roberts rule says if you, even if you've been over for six years, it's tough to stay over. This guy's never been over. No, and he's been around for seven. So yeah, I mean, again, the Jake Roberts, yeah, Jake Roberts rule, which I talked about in the show before. It's hard to stay over in the same promotion for more than six years. This guy's never been over in yeah. six plus years. So, folks, if you want to, I mean, what's he gonna do? I, I talked about the wrestlers used to have some self-respect, and they would just quit instead of getting a shitty gimmick. What about the, like, is that where we are with fans? We're just willing to accept a, a lone wolf nostalgia run? Give the slot to somebody new. I mean, I, I'm sorry. I don't want to, like, people lose their jobs, but it's fucking over. You talked about this earlier, and, and I forgot to highlight it. You now have the compliant audience in the WWE. It's yeah. a very compliant audience. It's a very happy-to-get-what-they-get audience. It's not... I don't feel, this is just my opinion, I don't feel like it's a passionate audience. I feel like it's, okay, WWE, yay, we're going to watch Raw, we're going to watch SmackDown, we're going to, you know, and they're just happy to get what they get, and you're not getting, let's go Cena, Cena sucks, because those were the passionate people, those were the leftovers from the Attitude Era that gave up, okay? They gave up when they pushed Roman Reigns as a baby face, and nobody wanted it, so they just walked out, and now you have it, and, and you know who actually said this? You know who actually said this? So one thing that he said was right was Vince Russo, okay? WWE has whittled the audience down to its niche audience. And he's kind of right. He is kind of right. You have people that regularly watch the program that are just happy to get what they're fed, you know? And, you know, they look at these guys. They look at a guy like Baron Corbin, you know, and they look at a gimmick that, you know, they liked, you know, such as the Lone Wolf. And, oh, why don't we just go back to that? Like, you know, I I mean, of his gimmicks, that probably was the best, but that's not really saying much. The constable? Here's where they killed him. You want to know when they killed him? When he cashed in money in the bank on Jinder fucking Mahal. All right? When they were jerking off with him because they wanted an audience in India yeah. And they had the WWF title on Jinder Mahal. I would have been fine with Corbin at that time because that was the window to do it. That was your small window. He could have gotten a mini JBL push, all right? He could have been a champion. He would have lost it, and he would have bragged or whatever. And that was once, – once they did that, and then they dressed him up in a TGI Friday's outfit as the constable. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right because – yeah, and then with the King gimmick, they dug him up out of the grave. Oh, okay, was, and then I they, forgot and then they, about that. That was okay. hideous too. I'm telling you, they dug him up out of the grave. Okay, and then they shot him and they buried him again. Okay, so you know that's that's King King Corbin. <laughs> yeah. 
uh, Ryan Drosty's in the chat. Uh, he's paying attention here, and he brings up, yes, n- the most protected finisher in the world was Barry Corbin. I could, remember they actually brought this up. I would not have brought this up on television. That Baron Corbin's the last guy to beat Roman Reigns in WWE. Yeah. I would not have brought like that. That that like 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 I think that just highlights bad creative to bring that up. Like on yeah. the, on the television, Baron, it's over, man. He's never going to get over. I don't care how coachable or safe he is. Okay? No, he's not. I mean, he is. You know, yeah, he is probably a safe worker. Okay, and what does that work. mean? He's not over. Well, you, know, you know, I mean, listen, it's you know, if you if you need somebody to, uh, you know, you need somebody to get a win, you throw him in there with Corbin. I mean, that's that's really all his use. I mean, he's not. You know, he's not going to be a main event guy. He's not going to be. It, it's you know. Does he even have any value in putting people over anymore, though? Probably not. No. I mean, not. Um, people that I want to put over, you see the, uh, if you're watching the video feed, you see the names scrolling across the bottom. We must now take time to thank our lovely patrons. Uh, if you are a patron, uh, you will be getting at the end of this month, Top Rope Nation Classic, a review of Wrestle War 91. That won the February poll. I was personally I voted for it. I was personally pulling for 90, didn't even get nominated. Oh, well, but 91 uh, has what many consider the second best war games ever. I consider it the third best. We'll talk about that on the show. And uh, yeah, looking forward to that. Wrestle War 91 with Ryan and Justin. The three of us will all be together as we are every month doing a deep dive on a show from wrestling's past. Thank you very much. Okay. Let's transition to AEW, okay, because we need to give this debate its proper time, and this was actually the item when I teased the show in the Facebook group, Frank, that got the most reaction. Mm -hmm. Dave Meltzer in the late, it'll be actually two issues ago by the time most people listen to this, but in last week's issue of The Observer said AEW had a baby face problem, Mm -hmm. which is kind of funny because last time Liam O'Rourke was on the program with, uh, with myself, he and I talked about how babyface heavy the promotion is. And the, 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 it's the heel side that really, I mean, after MJF and Jericho, there's just no depth there. But most of the babyfaces probably aren't as over as they were a year ago. I mm. think you look at someone like Adam Page. I mean, his trajectory has gone right off the rails. What do you think about this issue? I'm going to get the exact quote from Dave here in a moment. But I, I wanted to give the floor to you right now. AEW, uh, do they have a babyface problem? I don't think they necessarily have a baby face. Well, let me let me start that again. It's not just about a baby face problem. I think they have a running a promotion problem. Okay, I really do. And this goes back. I said this to Wade Keller, and you sent me posts from uh, Trevor Dame. I think. Okay. Yeah. 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 I One of our to, favorites. I said to Wade, yeah, I said to Wade Keller because I went to the Dynamite um, on December eighth of twenty twenty one. I took Justin with me. And our friends Danny and Joe, all right. And I talked to Wade the next day. We did a special um, focus on AEW, my in-person experience. And he gave the floor to me at the end. He goes, "Anything you want to say about AEW?" And at the time, so this is a few months after the Sugar Rush. This was a few months after Punk came in, and um, you know, Cole came in and Danielson. I said, "Not for nothing, Wade." I said, "I don't know." what this promotion is doing long-term to keep its viewers. Like that was a night that was their first night, I believe in New York. All right. And I'm not trying to make it about that, about that night, but there's a, there's a point here. 
it's your first night in New York, a area that has been very heavy with WWE for the last, you know, 20 years, ever since they bought WCW. And they really didn't bring their A game that night. Now, who knew what was available, you know, all the logistics, whatever. But, you know, they didn't bring their A game on that show. All right. And at the time, I said, you know, they made all these signings, they brought all these people in, but what are they doing long term? What are they doing to keep viewers? You know, because to that point, and even now, when people talk to me, all right, when we text each other, when my uncle texts me, it's all about WWE. Like nobody really brings up AEW. And, you know, we know they've gone through a lot over the past year, a lot of injuries, the whole mm-hmm. thing with punk. I think, you know, I hate to say it, as great as punk was, punk's arrival and departure did a well that he's departed yet officially, but it did a lot of damage to this company. All right. I think it did a lot of damage to Paige too, you know, because he was in the hunt at that point for the title. And everybody laughed at me and said, you know, because I, I said, don't put the title on page. It just didn't feel like the right time. Mm. And well, uh, you know, when, when I watched the pay-per-view and I saw him come in, I'm like, all right, they're putting the title on him and it's the right call. So I came around. Okay. Mm-hmm. But his title reign got big, got big footed by punk. Okay. And then you look at everything that's happened. You look at that brawl out. Okay. And you know, everything that's happened since, and you know, the shows, you know, to narrow this down, the shows have been built around good matches, sometimes great matches. You know, you had Danielson Takeshita, you had the, the trios last week, you know, and all Tony talks about, oh, this is going to be a great match. This is going to be a great match, you know? And, you know, I listen to Wade and listen to his analysis, you know, and he, and, and he actually went through the card last night, but this is before uh, Dynamite took place. He actually went through it. I think it was on a flagship with Rich Fan. And he's looking at these matches and he's like, huh? Like Mark uh, Briscoe and, you know, uh, who are you, uh, Josh Woods. Okay. Hmm. You know, Hangman Page and Kip Sabian. Okay. You know, and bottom line, what I'm saying is, is I just don't know if Tony has a long-term vision for this product. I don't know that he has, you know, two or three people in mind that, okay, these are going to be the baby faces around which I build, you know, for 2024 and, and, and beyond, you know, I just don't know that he has that vision. I mean, you've got people having all these good matches, but what is it? What does it mean? I've talked about that and, and you brought it up on one of your classic shows. You know, I don't mind a good, I, I, I have no problem with a good match. I can get into a good match, but I also need to care. You know, I need to care about what I'm watching. And when I watch Dynamite, I got to be honest with you, over the last few months I've watched, but I've kind of watched half-heartedly like, okay, yeah, this is a good match. This is a good match. This is a good, but Where's the character development? Why do I care about these matches? Okay. And I think that's really the issue. You know, it's, you know, like Takeshita, for example, if you want to talk about yeah. baby faces, Takeshita. Yeah, he's over, but he hasn't won a match. He hasn't won anything. Okay. And that's where I need to jump in because that's where this all started from. Okay. Well, this is what Meltzer said in the Observer. It was after the MJF Takeshita match, after MJF won. Okay. Uh, Meltzer said this. I get it. It's all about building up the two guys at the pay-per-view main event, but MJF should not have won this match via submission, as if he needed a submission win. There are 100 guys on the roster, many of whom are very good. He could have done that with. They desperately need to make new hot baby faces, and Takeshita is organically getting over, 
even with losing by having great matches, but they missed the timing on him here. So that's where I, this whole uh, conversation started that, you know, Meltzer saying they desperately need to make new hot baby faces. I am with you, Frank, that I don't think it's necessarily a baby face problem. I think it's a main event problem. And as you so eloquently put it, a destination problem in this promotion. Having great matches, yeah, look, we should not complain about great matches. It's like we're no. spoiled. But I, I think, you know, it's funny. We always complain about WWE gets repetitive. AEW is repetitive in its own way sometimes. Like, you know, having two bloody brawls on the same show yeah. undermines the you, it, the second one undermines the first one because right. you're seeing the same thing. And again, I would rather see two bloody brawls and, you know, the, the Mountain Dew, you know, black jizz match or whatever, but <laughs> the point stands. And I'll get into the tweet I sent you in a minute, but wrestling, you want to have anticipation. You want people to kind of know or have an idea where you might be going and you want to sort of gradually lead them in that direction. Right. What is working with WWE right now? Everyone anticipated Sammy would turn on Cody at some point or Sammy would turn on Roman at some point, pardon me. And that Cody would return and he might be the guy to slay Roman Reigns. Okay. Those two things by and large part are what kept people going through again, what is largely dire five hours of WWE television per week. Mm -hmm. And now here we are, we're entering WrestleMania and both things, the people are getting both those things and, and the promotion is, is seemingly hotter than it's been in a long time to bring it back to what you're saying. AEW. Okay. And I saw, I think it was Brian Zillum made this point on Twitter and, and he's not wrong. If the goal is just to build up MJF, like, to be there, like I agree with that. Then they should do then that. That's fine, and it's going to yeah. take time. But just up and down the card, I just don't see a lot of thing. Like you're right. I just see it's like this was a good match in isolation, but then it means nothing two weeks later. Or you know, even when they do good character stuff, you don't get a follow up for two weeks right. on yeah. AEW. I think it's you know when. Punk came in and Danielson came in and Cole came in. I remember we did the pod and we were talking about all the possible destinations AEW had. And that is what makes wrestling fun and a promotion good as where it's like, oh God, I hope they go this direction. I hope they go that direction. Right now you look at AEW, I don't know what the great directions are. Like I brought up with Liam, well, who's MJF's, you know, who's going to challenge MJF? And yeah. he like brought up like Adam Cole. And, like, Adam Cole's return was good, but, like, I mean, I don't know. I mean, is that something, like, you're crazy about? I mean, honestly, the most interesting thing they could have on their television is if the people could, you know, get over their own shit behind the scenes and Punk came back and they did an elite versus, like, Punk and FTR feud. Mm -hmm. That would be like the most interesting thing they could do on the television, mm -hmm. but that mm -hmm. requires some people checking their egos at the door. Um, here's another direction. Here's another direction that I would actually love to see. And Jesse and I talked about it. What about Eddie Kingston and and MJF? Yes, two, two New York guys with an attitude. Okay, and uh, you know the promos could be you know white hot between the two of them. I mean, uh, you know, but I don't know what's going on with him. I know he had some issues backstage, so maybe he's being, but then, you know, like 
that's the thing with these issues backstage. Like, I wonder, I wonder how Tony is handling this. You know, I mean, obviously I'm not back there, so I don't know. But, you know, Wade's talked about this where, like, if Tony is upset with somebody, he just basically ghosts them. He doesn't talk to them. You know, it's like this passive aggressive, like, you know, I'm just going to ignore somebody because I don't like what they did. Well, how does that work for your business? You know, like, yeah, you know, and, and, and I feel like, you know, and, and I don't want to be dismissive, you know, that there's no, sto- there are storylines going on in AEW. You have the Danielson MJF storyline. I know you have opinions about that. that you're going to get to in a bit. You know, you have the story with Jungle Boy and Christian, probably going to see a match between the two of them. You have um, Ricky and Jericho. So you do have some stuff going on. It's not that they haven't told stories, Moxley and, uh, and Adam Page, you know, so there is stuff going on. Um, but I don't know that any of that is really like white hot. Like I got to see this payoff. Like there was a time where I couldn't wait, you know, to see what was going to happen, um, on AEW television. And I just feel like that that's, you know, not there. Okay, yeah, I got to jump in right now on that because I saw this on Twitter last night because D- Dynamite last night, we're recording this on February 16th, so the, I'm talking about the Dynamite on the 15th, didn't get really strong reviews. It seemed kind of yeah. like a, just a whatever show, like a maintenance show. But I saw people, you know, were having this debate, oh, you know, just another, you know, once again, we're a few weeks from AW pay-per-view, everyone's criticizing the promotion, but then the pay-per-view is going to happen and everyone's going to say it was good and they'll look foolish. I want to speak on that. It's never a good idea when people are negative going into a pay-per-view. You want people to be yeah, like, fine, yes, if the paper, but like, what does that remind you of when people are second guessing a promotion going into a pay-per-view and then the pay-per-view kind of is better? It reminds you of like WWE, like yeah. for a long time, right? Not maybe not yeah. the last couple of years, but like once upon a time, I, you know. I was at All Out in Chicago when Punk did. Everyone was so looking forward to that. Or a revolution in 2020. I know Ryan was at that show. Or some of the other, like the pay-per-views that followed All Out 2021. You know, the full gear. or nothing, 2022, Kyle. Yeah, or like, I mean, you know, well, it was funny because that's the one where afterwards the the wheels started kind of falling off, I thought. But like, you know, full gear when Paige wins the title, uh, you know, or the CM Punk MJF match. Like, you want people to look forward to these shows. And yeah. I feel that Tony in the last year has been struggling um, to build anticipation to these shows. You know, you've got the, again, here we are. It's a couple weeks out from Revolution. Okay. Their pay per views are three, four months apart. And they've got one match signed, you know, MJF and Danielson. Um, now, is it going to be, is it going to be an Iron Man match? Or, yeah. I'm sorry. So the uh, the Danielson. I, I was I was doing the Danielson. The Danielson MJF. and MJF. Yes. Is it going to be a? Because I remember way back when they were talking about doing this. It was going to be like an Iron Man match. I hated that idea so much because I hate Iron Man matches. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is an Iron Man match, right? Okay, hold on one second. Yeah, at uh, you're talking about at Revolution, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, 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 you're you're looking at me in, in tw- yeah. Okay, it is in the arm. Yes, of course it is. Yeah. So and they're doing and they're doing sixty minutes. Yes, right? yes. So here's the thing. I feel like it's interesting the direction they're going for this because, like, I feel it's sort of like a deal where they want to show the world MJF is a good wrestler. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I like like. Well, again, though. You know, it's funny it's because a problem, it reminds man. me. You say it. I want to see if you say it. Well, no, because here I'll, I'll speak. Because here's the thing. I remember, like, 
If you go back and watch Triple H in early 2000, those matches were designed to make him appear like an elite level worker. Mm-hmm. And if they want to do something similar with MJF where it's like, oh my God, not only is this guy like a, a scumbag heel, but he can have good matches. I guess there's some value. I, I just, I know, I don't know. I, I never like Iron Man matches. I'm not, a, well, yeah. I mean, for me, like a 16 minute match is just not my bag in general. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm worried that it's, this could actually, in a way, babyface MJF because if he's, you know, hanging in there with Danielson and he's giving it all he's got and, you know, he's he's hanging tough, you know, it could get the reaction that they don't want. I mean, assuming they want MJF to continue to be a heel. Now, maybe they do want him to go babyface. I don't know, you know. And if they wanted him to do that, they had their, their window. So it would be kind of strange if they did it now, you know. Uh so that would be uh, that would be kind of my fear. I mean, this is also designed too, so that Danielson can get some pinfalls. So he's got that, mm-hmm. you know, and he's got his little credibility, and you know. Um, I, I, I think the biggest problem with the match is no one believes Danielson's going to win. Right, right. There's totally there's totally that too, and also it covers an hour of the pay per view. So you know they haven't, but, but they, they really didn't have, of, have any matches. They, what, yeah. what matches did they have until last night? I mean, they had nothing. You yeah, know, well, that, so. yeah, yeah. I mean, there's been more that's been announced. So, you know, they've got a tag title match again, where we're doing the guns and the acclaimed, and then we have two battle royals. But I that again, with, dude, like it's funny. People want to say, "Oh, this is," but that is straight up the WWE playbook. It I is. didn't get a ch- I didn't get a chance to talk about on the show last week. Gun Club versus the acclaimed. Okay, yeah. I actually, I I, I like the guns. I think they're. They're they're still kind of green, yeah. Okay. Uh, the reason I thought Jim Cornette of all people had an excellent breakdown on the match why it didn't work. It's because it's two green teams, kind of, and it it, it highlighted the need for house shows in AEW. I brought this up with Bianca and Raquel. Yeah. And them perhaps. I mean, if AEW had house shows, you could have the guns and the acclaimed working out the kinks of their matches off TV, and then when they're ready to deliver a blow-away match on TV, you could do it. Yeah. But but they weren't at that level, and I, I think not having house shows, you, you saw, and they're doing house shows now, I thought you see where AEW not having house shows really hurt those teams in that particular tag talent change. But something that immediately, um, a light bulb went off in my head, I, I thought the guns being the acclaimed signal that FTR's coming back. That was suggested on the post show last night. That was suggested between Wade and Jake Barnett. Somebody, I think Jake brought it up that because um, there was something in the guns promo uh, that they cut was possibly a dig at FTR or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe they're, because, right, don't they, they're doing a casino battle royal, right? Yeah, so, yes. isn't somebody the Joker? So the Joker could be FTR. There's your Joker. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Um, Meltzer, he beat me to this, actually. Mm-hmm. And I would have brought this up last week. Mm-hmm. Like, if the belts aren't going back to the acclaimed, mm-hmm. then this is a disaster. I, I think, like, I, I think, I, I, I'm sorry. I think the ship on FTR is kind of sailed, actually. Like, vis-a-vis the acclaimed. I think the acclaimed were a red-hot act. And if you're taking the titles off them, just so the gun club can transition it to FDR, I don't agree with that. I think that's a mistake. 
Yeah. I think it's a big mistake. And I, I, and, I, and I get you don't want to do FTR versus the Acclaim because it's babyface versus babyface, even though this promotion, all they do is babyface versus babyface. Yeah. But I think it is a mistake. Yeah. To, 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 to get the titles away from it. Unless if you're going to do a deal where like FTR is going to turn heel and the Acclaim chase them and they get the belts back that way. But I, I don't know, man. I, I You can't table the Acclaimed for FTR. At this point, you can't. I think it's a mistake. This is not me endorsing this, but Double or Nothing is two and a half months after Revolution. Yes. So when is FTR's contract up? Do we know? Is it is it around that time? Maybe. I think so. I'm just wondering if, you know, because doing this multi-team match – and listening to Wade and Jake and listening to you just now, now it puts it all together. I wonder if they are going to FTR, right? Just so the acclaimed can get their pay-per-view win and they do that at double or nothing. Because double or nothing is, I think, is kind of like their like all out's kind of their WrestleMania. Double or nothing is kind of their summers. Mm-hmm. And double or nothing was always their first, you know, pay-per-view. So that's kind of one of their signature events. So maybe the acclaimed get their big win against FTR and that takes him to that next level. Cause just doing a straight out tag team match against the gun club at revolution. I don't think that really does a lot for uh, the acclaimed, but if you do I, transition FTR and then they have that match with the acclaimed, you know, then that takes them to that, you know, that takes them to that higher level. And then they can always refuel with the guns down the line. You know, you could do that. I mean, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not worried about the guns having a short title reign. Who gives a shit about that? But that could be the thinking. So I think the cotton makes, they may expire at the end of April 2023, I think. Yeah, they could pay them. They, they could always, they could stretch yeah. it out. Yeah. The, the, uh, uh, so well, they could do a big, they could do a big TV. Uh, they, they could do a big, t- uh, a special dynamite. Sure. Know? They could. So, all right. Um, so we agree that it's not a babyface problem. That AEW right now, when you look at the promotion, there's just not like what are the great matches that they can headline the pay per views with? Like even with Danielson, I thought they like they minimized Danielson over the last twelve months. I mean, mm-hmm. he should he shouldn't have been doing jobs to Daniel Garcia, who's still the third guy in the Jericho Appreciation Society. After that. That's a, that was another stupid decision with Daniel Garcia going back to the JAS. I mean, I, well, I actually don't have a problem. I just I think it was dumb to try to even elevate him because I just mm. I look at Daniel Garcia and he's it's, he's not a bad wrestler, but this is a promotion of sharks of a lot of top guys, and you really have to be more than just a good worker to get over in this promotion. That brings me up. I should bring up this this tweet that I sent to yeah. you and I wanted to talk about because that's the next talking point. You know, and you got, you know, like the other the other names too, before you, you bring up that tweet, like Bandito, like where's Bandito? He had a great match with Danielson. Where is he? You, you know, guys- like it's just, you know, they 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 have these great matches and then they just, you know, they're forgotten about. And that's that's why I said, like the direction, like at least with Vince, all right. This is not me saying that Vince is the greatest thing since sliced bread, but at least at the top of the card. There's a direction. I mean, forget about the rest of the card, you know, but at least mm-hmm. like you talk about this bloodline storyline. At least there's a focus. You know who the players are and you know who's involved. AEW, I mean, there's a lot of nice talent there, but, you know, what about with Wardlow? You know, you and I think Liam talked about that. You know, after the feud with MJF, he was dead in the water. He didn't want to challenge uh, for the title unless it was Punk. 
Okay, great mm-hmm. call there, Ward, Ward, uh, Wardy. <laughs> and then, you, you know, he's talking about Wardlow's world and all this junk. I mean, I like what they did last night with him, so at least they got him in a better direction. But, you know, you have story there with Wardlow and MJF. Start working towards that, you know? Yeah. Is Tony thinking about these things? I don't know. He might be. I, he might be. I, I just, I think the problem is, and we could be proven wrong. Okay. Right. I, I think it's just that you can't see any sort of big, like, I always think promotions are at their best when there's a big tantalizing match out there that you want to happen. Right. And that it happens. And I don't know what that match is for AEW. I mean, MJF versus Kenny Omega. I don't know that that's the, it sounds intriguing on paper, but I, I don't know. It could be like a styles clash. You know, they're, they're going to each want to do their own kind of match. I think it, it may yeah. not work. But, and by the way, at what time, at what point do we start finger pointing at the elite? Because did you see the ratings two weeks ago for their, I mean, I know that they were in against AR Fox and top flight who are not uh, big names, but like the elite, since they've been back, you know, they get the carry on my wayward son. It, it looks like a superstar entrance and stuff, but they're not pulling. And it's been a problem for a while. They don't pull superstar numbers. Even when they're positioned at the end of the show, there's almost always a drop for those guys. Right. And that's right. a concern when you, when you honestly, I, I said this a while ago and I got made for, I wonder if they're cut out for weekly primetime television. Like to me, Kenny excels more in new Japan, you know, like watching that match with Osprey. It looked, he looked happy to be there. He looked like he was being himself. It looked like he, and maybe that's what Kenny is. Maybe Kenny is just more about having his, you know, five-star matches in the Tokyo Dome or, you know, Osaka Joe Hall or whatever, you know, and the same thing with the Bucks. Like, I just, I don't know that they're interested, and and Wade talked about this. I don't know that they're interested in week-to-week television, telling a storyline, you know, cutting promos, you know, building towards something, uh, you know, at a major event. I, I just feel like, you know, right along with Tony and, and, and it, you know, I feel like Tony sits there. All right. And okay. What matches do I want to see this week? What do we want to do this week? Okay. Let's have this match. Let's have this. Let's have this. Okay. But where is it going? You know? Okay. I'm going to, let's put a bow on this discussion two ways. Number one, because I thought of this. Okay. Eight, you know, it's funny because we had, I believe it was Michael Jacobson brought it up. Yeah. You know, is Cody's success sort of a, uh, uh, is WWE hoping that's a green light for people to make the jump from AEW over to WWE? And w- we were talking about it, and, and and people came into that discussion. It's like, oh, well, there's also still reasons to jump from WWE from WWE to AEW. If you look at like John Mox, I think Ryan made that point. But you know, it's funny when when I look at AEW, and and I think you've been kind of tap dancing on this issue, and and this is how I would make the the point of, of a lot of what you're saying. It feels like AEW television is a lot of what the performers want to do. It's basically Tony's like, okay, you want to just do it. And it's good, but it doesn't really go anywhere. And okay, for a lot of people, that's preferable to WWE television, which outside of like the Bloodline and Cody is, you know, a poorly acted high school play where it prefers the performers are being held at gunpoint. (laughs) <laughs> right yeah. i mean it, like it, it's the, the criticism of these two promotions are at such opposite ends of the spectrum where it's like it feels like an aw a lot of the people get to do what they want but it really doesn't go anywhere and a and in wwe a lot of people are just sort of like doing what they're they're just saying what they're told and that's obviously right. crummier even but um 
Yeah, I don't know. It just feels like AEW, the individual pieces right now are greater than the sum of the parts. Yes, that's whereas Where WWE, the sum of the parts is greater than the individual pieces. And I think if you're a wrestling promotion, you'd rather be the latter. Yeah, I agree. I agree. uh, WWE definitely makes it work for their audience with what they have. I, I, I said it a year ago on Garrett Gonzalez's show, We're Live Pal. I said the WWE is satisfying its audience better than AEW is satisfying its audience right now. And I think that's only gotten stronger over the last 12 months, whether you want to admit it or not. People don't like when I compare when I watch AEW sometimes to like Meltzer watching 87 Jim Crockett saying, mm-hmm. oh, crap. You know, it's like I like this more. And make no mistake, about it, I do like AEW presentation more. Than WWE, like just you know, match to match, show to show, but like there is the issue of look, where's this going? You know, have you burned through too much? Right. You know, one of the big destinations. So here's some tweets I wanted to read real quick, and we're going to wrap this up. Now, this is Trevor Dame on Twitter. He says AEW has one of the weirdest champagne problems right now, in that their standard of wrestling is so high that if you're not pretty great, you stick out worse than you would anywhere else. But if you are great. You just blend into the hole in a way you wouldn't anywhere else. Being a talented wrestler on Dynamite is like being a sibling in a large family of geniuses. If you bring home an A, people are going to be like, quote, good, but we expected that. Also, your brother got the plus, and if you bring home a B plus, they're going, gotta admit, son, kind of a letdown. Yep. He continues, the two most recent matches in AEW that really helped someone uh, gain stock uh, were Jericho and Dreddy, and acclaimed, uh, what the, who's COG? Andretti and Jericho. I actually have a lot of problem with Andretti and Jericho. What was, was, a who's CO, was that, um, Swerve and Keith Lee? Is he, he mean, or? What is he saying there? He says the, the two matches were, um, the two recent matches in AW that really helped someone gain stock were acclaimed COG and Jericho Andretti. C-O-G, C-O-G. Oh, for God's sakes. Um, oh, good Lord. Let's see. A-E-W, C-O-G. Let me see if I can. Um, uh, I don't know who the hell. C-O-G. Yeah, I, I guess. Okay, maybe. I, I, I don't know. Uh, but oh, swerve, in our, it, swerve in our glory. Okay, it's it is swerve in our glory. So it's like I said, it was Strickland and Lee. Like I said, okay, oh okay, I'm, I'm, I'm oh. an idiot. The the way the way this was written, it, it totally threw. Oh, me. I, anyway, yeah, S-E-O, okay, S-I-O-G? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, that's why. Oh, I, that's why I was he, he wrote it. He wrote it very yeah, weird. Okay, anyway, yeah. okay. But the, I said Strickland Lee because because that would have fit the bill. But anyway, WWE. He says those two matches worked because in both cases they were the rare AEW matches where fans expectations weren't already sky high and that people were able to overperform. WWE right now is benefiting from the opposite. Sammy bloodline is a real good storyline. Great even, but it seems even greater because WWE never has storylines close to that level. I would completely agree with that. It's like getting Thanksgiving dinner after a years long enforced hunger, hunger strike. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and then he goes on to joke about insert Brandon Thurston. AEW is too good meme. Um, but I, I think there is some truth to that, what we're talking about in that, like AEW, everyone's like, okay, I expect this match to be good. It's good, and then we just move on, and there's nothing, nothing going on. So, um, we shall see what AEW does moving forward. Hopefully, 
they have big matches moving forward. Um, and hopefully their pay-per-view can at Revolution San Francisco can get people uh, going. I, 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 I wasn't too keen on that. I saw you scoffed at Jericho Andretti, or I heard you. Yeah. That I, just, it was the problem with Andretti is again, it was an unexpected win in a cool moment, but is he really going to be able to stand out in AEW? Like, if the, like he's not going to get a real push. Yeah. Moving he's forward. He's off TV now, right? He, uh, he's yeah. been off TV for a couple of weeks. And I'll tell you what, God, Ricky made... Starks feels like he's been cooled by feuding with this Jericho. This is this is the whole thing. Like, you, you know, you, you you get these guys, you know, you, you get them a push, you get them on TV, and then Tony just forgets, and then he moves on to something else. And, you know, I, I think your point, I think your point about the elite is is very interesting, you know, because when you have guys that are wrestlers that are also management and friends with the owner, you know, it it, it could cause uh, we could probably do a whole nother podcast on that. Yeah. But we don't know the negativity uh, that it's causing uh, the promotion as a whole. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I think we're going to wrap it up right now, right on the two hour mark here. Frank, thank you for your time here. This was Top one of the longer flagship episodes, I believe, uh, in history. But that's what happens when I'm in charge. I just, I just <laughs> keep talking, and hopefully, you didn't miss your flight out of Vegas. Uh, if you uh, did, I got, I got a little while. I, okay. I got a little if, while. So. If you did, I assumed you would have just got up and left, uh, which I would have So <laughs> I'd, have, I'd, have been, I'd have been putting the zoot suit on and uh, yeah. getting ready to go there, and you know, All people right. would not want to see that. <laughs> yeah, tell the people what you got going, Frank, over at the torch. Absolutely. So uh, on Twitter, you can follow me at Frank Pettiani. That's uh, at Frank P-E-T-E-A-N-I, Facebook and Instagram. I'm not the biggest poster or whatever, but if you know you send something to me, I'll uh, I'll write back and whatnot. Uh, over at the Torch, I am currently doing the WWE Premium Live Event Hits and Misses Report. So you will see one for Elimination Chamber uh, probably later Sunday. I have to work the next two nights, so uh, my viewing might be Sunday evening. Uh, so we'll see what happens uh, with that. And Kyle, you mentioned um, my podcast uh, on the VIP side of the torch, Pro Wrestling Then and Now. Uh, you've been a guest host a couple of times. We looked at Survivor Series 92 and I believe uh, Super Brawl. Uh, from 1992 so a lot of 92 going on with you and and as you've yeah. said like the back of your hand <laughs> i know um, well yeah and, and if, if, if there's more 92 coming out because liam o'rourke is about to drop uh is today thursday uh, yes today it is, is uh, yep. i believe there will be a new episode of squared circle gazette where we cover the build to SummerSlam 92 oh wow with okay. his unique uh you know, UK perspective. So yeah, there's even yeah, more. 92. Yeah. And it was a lot of, like a lot of changes. I, uh, mm -hmm. not, not to go into a whole thing, but I remember listening to the radio. There was a radio, uh, program at like two or three in the morning on uh, WFAN, the local station here. And, uh, it was wrestling and like all the matches that happened at SummerSlam were not the matches they were building towards throughout 92. Mm -hmm. Talk about that. Yeah. So uh, it was just funny to get that knowledge ahead of time and then see it unfold on TV. So, yeah. Okay, but uh, yeah, so 19, well, I guess now, pro wrestling, it's going to be a lot of 93 now, correct? Yes, yeah, so, you know, 93, um, I've been a little more focused on 98, actually, okay. with the 25-year uh, look back, and uh, Rich, Fan, Rich Fan and Brandon LeClaire and I from the torch just looked at the Royal Rumble from 03, so it's uh, kind of a 25 and a... Um, 20-year uh, look back. I'll probably jump back to 93 at some point. I do not want to review WrestleMania 9. Uh, <laughs> not on purpose. So yeah. that is not going to happen. But maybe SummerSlam 
uh, 93, uh, just to kind of look back on that uh, down the line. Because that's, that's an event that I recorded and I watched several times, so it kind of resonates with me. So that's where the uh, 93. Oh, and uh, in a couple of weeks, speaking of 93, um, as long as our schedules line up and everything, uh, Torch contributor Mike McMahon and I, we're going to kind of do a megasode. So he's been on a, a rewatch of Raw journey, like going back to the beginning. So we're going to kind of uh, scamper through some episodes, like the first one. I'm sure we'll bring up the uh, the Razor One Two Three Kid episode, you know, things like that. Uh, you know, so uh, the Crush Randy Savage Summit, you know, whatever. So uh, we'll be doing that, and then we'll be doing a, a WrestleMania 14 review. So there's 98. Oh, love WrestleMania 14. All right, yeah, and then um, Top Rope Nation, obviously. Let's go back to the beginning here. Elimination Chamber this Saturday. Uh, we are still kind of trying to put together when we're doing our review. I also am not going to probably be able to watch the show live, uh, but um, hopefully I can get on the review. Um, we will have a review. I am actually leaving for Florida next week, uh, so uh, I will be out of town uh, starting next Tuesday. But uh, hopefully I'll be able to get on uh, and discuss the Elimination Chamber. If not, uh, I may have to just put my thoughts in written form on Facebook. But until then... I think it is time we bid you adieu, as some would say. He is Frank Pettiani. I am Kyle Ross. This was Top Rotation. Hopefully you had a good time. Talk to you later. 